0: Hello everyone, welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and as always joining me, the
1: ever-quotable Jay. No quotes for Horror Coliseum, Doesn't change
0: the fact that I'm going to say it.
1: Yeah, but we're almost done with these, so we'll get back to some cool quotes next episode.
0: Yeah, this is it, this is the last one. Speaking of last one, we have the last Silent Hill biker himself, Kenneth. The first and the last, the only one.
2: Woo!
0: Actually, I just got a text message from Norman Reedus who says you have to fist fight him to death for the title. Just because PT got canceled doesn't mean he's giving up the title.
3: (laughs) I'll put it to you like this, man. If I got to fucking be anywhere near Norman Reedus for a significant amount of time to have a conversation with him, it'd be worth the fist fight.
0: Fair enough. And joining us as our special guest, returning champ for his third appearance on the show, we have... Horror Quarter's own, creator of the greatest child ever, Watson. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen.
4: How's it going tonight? And hey, and it's a it's a great landmark event because it's my first time podcasting with Jay.
0: Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Third time on the show, Jay finally mm-hmm. decides to record with him.
1: Well, you know what? You
0: keep having him in when I can't make it. <laughs> That's, That's true, it does seem like every time... Because I don't remember why you missed Last House on the Left, but like I'm, I remember it being some kind of emergency, and then you missed uh, Horror Coliseum 7 because of an emergency. Yeah. So it's like, if I invite Watson on, you, like, for some reason have an emergency.
1: Yeah. Turned out to be a magnesium uh, deficiency.
0: Oh, okay. I'm not... I, I guess go to some deep sea trench to get magnesium <laughs> modules no i just take the pill deep and now my leg legs are gone so. oh okay well good. you can mother. still visit a deep sea trench just don't well, yeah, tell her a, you call her that
1: I need, a, <laughs> I need to release the meg
0: yeah so uh now normally okay so once the, i guess with the latter half of these shows we've just had people not able to make it so Much like Watson stepping up for the 7th show because Brandon couldn't make it, JP could not make it, so I was like, well, we got to get someone else. And Kenneth was like, just invite Watson back. And I was like, you're a fucking genius. And that right I am.
4: And right you are. Glad to be here, though.
0: Yep, Watson is back for us to take on what I think is going to be our most controversial episode of the Freddy vs. Jason series, because we are talking remakes. We've got the Friday the 13th remake and the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and uh, we're going to see if people have loved these or hated these uh, properly or unjustifiably uh, as we go through and break down these movies through our 15 categories and this will also be the last horror coliseum to use these 15 categories as when we bring Holocor- uh, I almost said horror corridor uh, <laughs> when we bring horror coliseum back we will have uh, some adjustments. So with that being said, we are going to jump right the fuck into this.
3: My scores oh. are so fucking close, too. Oh Between
0: don't, the don't two of them. Just whet that appetite for him. I think we're going to get some hate. Like,
2: I think probably we're get some
0: hate for this. But we're going to start off Friday the 13th remake. We're going to start off with the story. Jay... Go ahead
1: and kick us off. What
0: do you oh, got for showing? Oh, shit.
1: Friday the 13th remake. I gave the story an 8. Uh, I love that the movie basically said, all right, we're going to cram the first three movies into one movie and then also do some okay, different stuff. Okay, the first
0: four movies.
1: Whatever. They don't kill Jason at the end, do they? N- no, but, they, but the guy looking for
0: his sister is from part four.
1: Is he? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, but he was kind of a throwaway character in that. And here he's like the main focus and jason didn't kidnap her in part four either no but it's still like you're still gonna say that's from part four fair enough okay the first four movies either way i thought it was genius i thought it fit right in line with the rest of the movies and there wasn't really anything for me to complain about all right dope watson what do you got
4: Gentlemen, I'm also – I'm right there with Jay at an 8 out of 10 on story. Uh, you know, I mean, on the surface, there's not much to this from a story standpoint. Mass murder, stalking, killing teens, solid textbook slasher fare right there. But just like Jay said, what makes this story – and what Jerry said, also what makes this story work for me personally is how it weaves the elements from the first four Friday films – into its own narrative to not only give us some fun shout outs to those earlier films you know but to also build actual continuity here which these other those first films just didn't seem to care about like we talked about you got your title sequence flashback that near the events of the og friday you gotta we get to spend a little quality time with sackhead jason from part two and get a little bit of elements of his mommy issues here and there we got the discovery of the hockey mask from part three of course the brother sister angle from part four just like uh, Jay said, though, Clay is kind of the main focus of this film rather than a side character in the other one. But it, it's all there and it works here in this, as, as a cohesive story. I do think, though, you guys, that the script has a, a little bit of some missteps in how it serves its characters. But there's a certain amount of self-awareness there, too. And you guys, that baffles me because this film flat out knows that it's populated by by and large by by um, awfully written characters. And I can't decide if that self-awareness makes it exempt from criticism or if it brings it on because it does nothing with that awareness of its own faults or little with that awareness of its own faults. It's like that guy we all know who like proudly says, hey, I'm an asshole. And then it's like, well, dude, I'm glad you know that about yourself. But it's, if you're still acting that way, you're worse than the assholes who don't think they're assholes. Whatever. O- on paper, it's it's a solid lowbrow slasher script that does everything it's supposed to. Eight out of ten.
0: Well, I would say it. it you're never exempt from criticism. Like, sure. Do, well, do you think, though, they might have thought? Oh, they uh, did, because there's a line in there that she yeah. says where he literally, like, explaining <laughs> cliche. Yes, we are one big happy cliche. <laughs> that right there tells you, hey, we know, we know, because I have that written down in a note under my character development, and I was going to bring oh, it nice, up there, okay. but it fit here also. So, like, it kind of goes, hey, we know we're not reinventing the wheel. We know yeah. that. You're gonna get a slasher movie, so okay, Kenneth. What do you got?
3: I gave it an eight. Also, I mean, I thought I thought it was <clears throat> for the same things that uh, you know Jerry and uh, Jay and Watson said. The 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 weaving of the first four was I thought it was I thought it was great. I love that they fixed the continuity. I mean, pretty much the same things. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm kind of with Watson on this, where it's just like it it, it it's weird having that. That, that that dichotomy between it being meta and it not you know what I'm saying I mean because it's like there's part of you when you're watching a movie that wants to look at it as a standalone movie but at the same time there are throwbacks in there that are intentional to the original series and then there are other ones that are trying to turn this into its own movie so it's kind of like it's kind of like a back and forth back and forth back and forth and and as I'm watching it as many times as I have, I can't decide whether I like that or I don't. You okay. know what I mean? I mean yeah. because it's like it, it, it's like mm-hmm. the throwbacks are in there for the sake of just being. It. it it's kind of hard to explain where it's like they're there, but at the same time, fuck it, I can't get it out. I I can't get get it from my brain to my mouth. <laughs> it's just it's it's odd. It's an odd setup for a movie. It's not the same as some of the other ones that are throwing back to their predecessors. It's different.
0: You so, know, uh, uh, you're saying like the throwbacks in here are more like winks to the fans instead of like full re- remaking scenes like we see in the Nightmare on Home Street remake. These ones are more winks to the fans. Uh, they're not necessarily needed. Most of them don't play into the story. It's it's literally just fan service. Yeah, exactly.
3: I mean that, that that that's kind of that's kind of the way I can go with it. But I mean, like I said, in in other movies that do it, it's cool. But it's it's almost like that because this is a Friday the 13th movie, and it's throwing those humorous winks to its predecessors. I don't know whether I like it or not because if you get if you get a movie like um, like uh, Leslie Vernon, where it's it's specifically throwing to the genre of slasher and it's doing the things that it does, that's awesome. But at the same time, when you got a movie like this that's throwing those fan service things to those previous movies and not to the genre as a whole, it almost is kind of like the humor is a little bit, um, I don't know, um, I don't really want to say. It's almost like the humor is kind of misplaced to a degree. I'm not saying that it was a shitty movie and then it threw me out too hard, but it's it, it was just it, – it, it, it kind of was off-putting to me in certain aspects.
4: So, Kenneth, would you say that maybe you're not feeling that balance between meta self-awareness and the formula, like the tried-and-true formula that it's clearly going by? despite right. being meta, like that balance is it? Cause I think that's where I'm coming from. And I, if I had to word what you're saying in any specific way, I might word it like that. Maybe does it, does that make sense? Or am I off base? What do you
3: no, think? No, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, like I said, I'm having a hard time getting it from my brain to my mouth, but that's the closest that I can think of to where it's there is. It's just like, like I said, the, the, the aspects that are clearly supposed to be meta aspects are kind of off. They're not placed in the right areas.
0: So funny enough, what you just said is actually why I gave the story a 6. It stuck so close to the Friday formula that the only area I feel like the movie did anything original was with the character Jason and that's it. Uh, everything else in this movie is so fucking hardcore formula that it felt like the story was written in the 80s with, and they just kind of updated like, oh, well, they have GPS now. Fuck, let's put that in there. Um, and, like, and I've always said, if you're going to do a remake, do something new. Try something new. And to me, the only thing they really did new in this was turn Jason into a survivalist, which you could argue that he was a survivalist in two. Um, sure, sure. But to me, not to the extent. They don't really show it. It's more implied. And this one, they strictly show it. But unfortunately, that doesn't do that much for the story. The story is still, let's take parts from multiple different ones from the series and use that to bullet point our formula. And so I was a little... While well, I'm not saying the story is bad, it's still a Friday formula and it still works. And yeah. we hell, we all know going away from the Friday formula can backfire big, looking at you <laughs> goes to hell. Uh, so, th- there is a chance that they just well didn't said. want to to do that. They, instead, they were like, give the fans what they want. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Here you go. But, much like uh, Chu said, it's just a big happy cliche. And while I'm fine with that, it makes the movie uh, a fun watch. It doesn't really do anything innovative.
3: So... Yeah, and see the only reason why i jacked up the score at all was because of the meshing together and the continuity parts of the beginning that was it you know what i'm saying where that where they actually put in there that you know jason uh, they brought it together to where all that shit happened in a very short span of time you know like like jason quote unquote died and right after he died she went on her killing spree before he got a chance to go to his mom and be
0: like hey i'm still alive yeah, so funny enough, not? Well, I don't know if I still feel like Pamela knew he was alive, but had just kind of gone insane. Well, okay. Well, either way, either way, but I like the uh,
3: fact that they that they clearly stated, you know, what
0: had happened. I did read that uh, Victor Miller, the original writer for Friday the Thirteenth, got a smaller payout in this movie because, uh, in Legal terms, this movie is not a remake but a sequel to the original, and he was very so, which means he had to get because if it was a remake, he would have to get paid more. But they said, since they're only using the first movie for the first you know five minutes for the opening credits, it's not a remake. And he was very confused when the movie came out and it was being marketed as a remake. But technically, if you watch the movie. You can argue this movie is not a remake, but a direct oh. sequel to the first movie. You yep, could because you that, that, that,
2: that, like that a Halloween two thousand
1: eight. Oh, 2000. I stirred up everybody. Uh, Jay, you go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say it's similar to the way that the new Halloween ignored everything but the first one. You could make the argument for this, like if that's how it's advertised, you'd be like, oh, okay, I see that.
3: Yeah, Kenneth. Like that whole opening sequence is just a recap.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much Evil Dead 2 opening
3: yeah i I mean so i get it i mean i think it's a pretty shitty way of doing victor miller but you know because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie about all this victor miller shit i do think the dude got fucked you know what i'm saying i just hate that all of it happened right around now to where we're not getting a new movie and we're and the video game shit got stopped but i still stand i think victor miller got a little fucked but you know damn i i can i can i think it's a shitty way but at the same time i mean it you can't really argue with the way the movie's cut together.
0: Yeah. Watson, did you have a reply to what
4: oh. I said? No, I, I just, I, that just blew me away. I never heard that fact before. That's, that's some really clever, So <laughs> that's, that's a clever legal team right there. Wow.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. All right. We're going into character slash character development. Jay,
1: take us away. Uh, I gave it an eight. Um, I felt that the character tropes that we uh, like in slashers are there. Um, I like the uh, Clay's motivation uh, is is a nice change of pace from the standard like victim. like he's just like, I need my sister. Um, I now that I think about it, I might have should have scored it lower because there's really no development. Nobody really has any like realizations or growth. Everyone kind of ends the same way they started. There's no like weak person becoming strong or anybody's personality changing. Like, they all just kind of are who they are, and then they die, and that's it. Very true. Watson?
4: Yeah, I'm at a 7 out of 10 on this one. And actually, in my notes here is pretty much what Jay said at the end there, that, you know, these characters are what they are. There's nothing here in the story that points toward any real development, no transformations or weighty or lofty character arcs. The nice characters are nice, okay? The jerky characters are jerks. The slutty characters are slutty. Films like this are the reason that the cabin in the woods exists, so that it can point out just how prevalent, you know, certain horror movie formulas are. I will say though, where this film shines, regarding characters, is how it handles the final girl situation. You know, obviously Clay, played by Sam from Supernatural, he's our final dude, and right on looking for his sister Whitney. But in that first act, the film sets Whitney up as our final girl, then follows through with that in an act three. By killing off Jenna, who seemed to be our final girl from act two on. I don't know. I, I thought that was remarkably clever, and it always makes me smile to see films like this that do something a little different with the final girl trope because I'm, I'm kind of over it. And uh, yeah, I think it does well with its approach to the dispositional alignment theory, which is when we see characters die who we think deserve to die. And this movie had that in spades. So yeah, well done, Friday09. Character development, seven
1: out of 10. If I could piggyback off of that, uh, I actually. I completely agree. I love the way that she doesn't meet any of the criteria to be killed in the slasher and they still fucking killed her. they still do. do And it kind of comes out of nowhere. And I think, yeah,
0: it's, it's it's the one thing that I super enjoy about this movie because when, when she dies, it makes me go, Oh shit. These last two people may not make it out. Yeah. In fact, I kind of wish she would have died a little bit, earlier just to make us go oh fuck no one's safe earlier in the movie but i don't think it would have played off then i think it would have been like oh well if it if they would have done it too early it would have been she's not the final girl but because they played her up like the final girl and then was like gotcha bitch it works out really well uh and i also want to state i i just realized something so uh jared from sam from supernatural jared uh he did this one uh dean jensen did the my bloody valentine remake we we could battle them against each other and since we've already done this one we can actually choose jared from house of wax remake and make them battle each other
1: (laughs) You you could also go the michael bay route and put this up against amityville uh nightmare well we're already putting it up against nightmare uh but amityville or the texas chainsaw massacre too what does that have to do with supernatural though Nothing, I'm just saying that Nothing but there's both other Bays. within the series of Michael Bay
0: horror movie remakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, fuck Michael Bay. He apparently walked out of this movie because it
1: was too sexual. Well, he's the one that makes fucking statutory rape jokes in Transformers movies, so yeah. I don't want to hear it. Oh. Ro- ro- robot racism
0: is okay, but titties? <laughs> robot um, but speaking of titties, Kenneth, what do you got? <laughs> speaking of titties, Kenneth. I put the characters at a six.
3: And the main reason why they got a six, I mean, they were all pretty cliche. I like the Asian guy. Um, you know, but you had all your cliche characters and stuff like that. But I think Sam and his sister, I think those are the ones, the reason why I brought it up to the six. Otherwise, it would probably have been lower. But, you know, I, 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 and it probably would have been better if it had Dean in it because I've always maintained that this is a fucking two hour or an hour and a half long supernatural episode without Dean.
0: Yeah, but it would have been really weird when they would have shot Jason in the face with salt. <laughs> i think it would have been, would have been and fantastic
1: he just like tilts his head and grabs the gun and hits him with it
3: yeah i think it would have been fantastic but you know it, I, I that was pretty much it for me i kept i kept it at a six but i do agree with you guys on on the tropes at the end of uh at the end of it with the final girl but i wasn't gonna bring that up until we got around to the hero
0: yeah oh. so i'm also at a six there really is no development everyone's a cliche cookie cutter um in fact some of them are, are so boring and wooden if it wasn't for one of them having amazing tits and the other one making stupid comments about the tits we wouldn't even remember them <laughs> in this movie uh in fact that whole crew lawrence and chew the minorities are the only entertaining people in that crew because they're fucking great
3: and i love that guy the uh, what's the actor's
0: name uh, I the don't know. Asian I, know guy? The, I don't know but I, I just know that. the I like Karen him in ju- I like
3: him in just about every movie that he's in. Cuz mm. if you notice he, he that that actor is in both of these movies. Oh fuck, he's the webcam kid. Yep. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. Yep. yep
3: <laughs> in both of these movies and also correct. he was in um he was in um da-da-da-da-da. what's that uh, speaking of Transformers? What was that movie with Shia LaBeouf where he's a neighbor across the street? Disturbia. Um, yeah. Dude was in that too. He was the one that got locked in the closet for like six weeks.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, and I loved him in that too. Yeah, I
0: really love the uh, the R. Kelly song he made about the Asian kid being locked in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I've only heard, heard the edited version, so there was no pissing on children. But no. you know. Um, R. Kelly.
1: Oh wait, actually, you know, fun question. Speaking of the edited version, did we all watch the killer cut? quote-unquote, because that's the only copy I had.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's the only copy, the only version that's been released.
1: Okay, (laughs) just making sure none of us, like, accidentally watch the theatrical version.
3: I watched the one that Jerry's got on his voodoo, so.
0: Yeah, that's the killer cut. All
1: right, so we move
0: on to pacing slash editing. Jay. Penis.
1: I gave it an eight. I thought it flowed really well. It opens with a bunch of people being killed. It continues with a bunch of people being killed. And so, like, we get, like, a mini Friday the 13th movie at the beginning uh, with the recap. Then we get a whole group of teens getting killed or 20-somethings, whatever they are. And then we get another group of teens being killed just more over the course of the movie. I thought the pacing and editing was almost damn near perfect in this. All right, Watson. Damn, I'm right
4: there with Jay, uh, you know, pacing and editing, 8 out of 10. Uh, there are some points, I, I think, where, you know, the film does a little bit of lagging, but for me personally, even those low points are still fun to me because they introduce us to this new Camp Crystal Lake setting as well as to the surrounding area, and it does so really effectively. And so I guess if the low points are still fun to me, then these high points are just a total blast. The film
0: moves along hard, fast. I love it, 8 out of 10. Sounds like Watson with a blonde. Kenneth. Mm-hmm.
3: Same, 8 out of 10, I thought. Like, like Watson said, there was a little bit of drag here and there, but not enough to really fucking... You know, it knocked off two points. Let's put it that way. Otherwise, it ran pretty good.
0: All right. Well, I gave it a seven. While well, I do think the movie is very pr- pretty entertaining. And it never necessarily gets boring. But the reason we have these low points is because it's sticking so hard to formula. You can kind of go, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Yep. And because of being able to call it so easily... It, it it kind of slows down the movie for me. Um, the opening being 25 minutes long was not bad. It was definitely interesting. It gave us, like Jay said, a mini. It was like someone wrote a Friday the 13th fan film, uh, but it was like done by the August Underground guys who don't know how to do a story and they just want to like show you how brutal shit can be. And that's how this movie started. It kind of showed you, hey, Jason's not fucking around. This shit is legit brutality. Um, and we'll get into more of that later, obviously. But uh, So I gave it a 7 because of being able to call the formula too much. We move to
1: Atmosphere. Jay, what are you feeling in here? Um, I found this one a little hard to judge and I ended up giving it a 9 that may have been a little hasty, but you guys keep mentioning the formula and I actually really, really love that about the movie. Um, Like, yeah, sure. It'd be cool if we got some innovation, but when it's the first movie and however long it's been and it's, it's branded as a remake, I feel like sticking to the formula while also making the changes to the, the character they did and kind of simplifying the timeline was exactly the right way to handle this movie personally. Uh, But as far as the atmosphere goes, it was exactly like it should have been. Uh, it felt like a Friday the 13th movie. And so that's kind of why I ended up scoring it pretty high. Yeah. Well, I'll say that. I'll say
0: the Friday the 13th remake is Star Wars The Force Awakens. It gives you everything you want that you've seen in the series. Uh, basically retelling things that have happened. are using the same story elements from the original trilogy. But putting it in a slightly new way. Playing it safe. That's what they did with, with this movie. It yeah, is the I Force asked, but Awakens.
2: I
1: felt like it was also polished, too. Oh,
0: well, it like, was polished. I completely agree. It's just the same complaints I have about this are the same complaints that a lot of people have about The Force Awakens. Uh, Kenneth, aren't you one of those people that, that say that about The Force Awakens? Yep. It's yeah.
3: pretty much fucking A New Hope.
0: Yeah. I hate um, it. And th- that's how I feel about this. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes you really have to play it safe so you can get your money for the sequel, but they canceled the sequel to this fucking movie.
1: So we oh, never got to see. isn't that the, the Paramount New Line bullshit that's still going on?
0: Uh no, no, because what's going on now was the Victor Miller lawsuit. That's right. This they, they had an agreement, everybody was making money. They've never actually said why the sequel was cancelled. It was just slowly taken away,
1: silently. Yep.
4: Yeah, that bums me out. It's kind yeah. of faded to black.
1: I just want more,
0: more. <laughs> okay. I want motherfucking excess. Yeah. Speaking of more and excess, uh, Watson, atmosphere.
4: <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, uh, I'm at a 7 out of 10 on this gentleman. The film wants us to buy it as a slasher from the late aughts, and it succeeds, wholeheartedly in that area by giving us that aesthetic. Most of the people I've seen who hate this film, just outright hate it, seemed most angry that this didn't come off like the earlier Friday films. But those films succeeded in being a product of their own time, just as this one does in its own time. So it's kind of all the same to me. Where this film drops the ball, though, regarding atmosphere is in its emphasis on Trent's family's house as a setting. You switch that to a campground location with cabins in the whole nine yards, like a camp near... Or adjacent to Kent Crystal Lake, you know, just far enough away to let them party and do their thing, but not like right there on Jason's doorstep. And this would be near perfect. All said though, it's a happy seven out of ten. It it it's it is what it's supposed to be and
0: and does it. So yeah. Yeah, the classic hand job on horror Yeah. So <laughs> seven out of ten. Kenneth, what do you got? A classic hand job. All right. That's
3: exactly where I'm at, and pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's like. You know, it, and I was gonna go into this into scenery, but it has to do with the atmosphere too. The fucking the money in, in involved in 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 his parents' house, man, is it it really fucking threw me out of it because it it, it doesn't have the same. It it took away the creepy vibe to me. You know, yeah, I it, was it, it's you know. in the boathouse and. And all the rest of that shit, it just, it. there was something about it that kind of pulled me out of it. And that was what pulled me out of the atmosphere. I mean, yeah, we're in woods and, and, and big-ass lakes. You know, it's one of those fucking lakes that I would imagine seeing in, like, goddamn, you know, somewhere up north during the summertime around the fucking Canadian border. That's kind of what that shit looks like.
0: Yeah, so I think the reason it bothers you, because I was thinking about this. When you think back to Friday Four. Tommy's mom had fucking money like he was building like fucking Hollywood quality props and effects. He was literally like a fucking amateur Tom Savini and Harryhausen and the mother was paying for that shit, but they didn't have to keep telling you that they're fucking rich. They don't mention it. You can tell them the way they live. Trent has to constantly fucking remind you he's rich. Yeah, but I think
1: it, that's part it, of his douchebag character.
3: But not only just that. I mean, the difference between the Jarvis house and this house is the Jarvis house has legit rustic look to it. This looks like, a, a Transparent's house looks like paid rustic.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
3: You know, there's a difference. It's just like, you know, it's like Transparent's. We're just like, I want a Bass Pro Shop looking house in the woods.
1: <laughs> I think that's actually the point, though. I mean, because think about it, the time periods are way different too. No, no, we we agree that it's the point
0: that plays into his character. We're talking about how it affects atmosphere, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. I totally get why it was there, why it was supposed to be done. You know, it's supposed to help make Trent look like a spoiled douchebag. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I I get the purpose for it, but it still brought me out of the atmosphere. Fair
0: enough. Yeah, because I gave it a 7 also saying that jumping between the party cabin uh, or the I, I'm sorry, creepy cabin to party house makes it hard to maintain the atmosphere, but once the lights go out at the party house, it the rest of the movie maintains that dark and creepy creepy fucking atmosphere. And I just yep. kind of wish they would have had that through the whole movie um cuz had it the like with the opening crew all dying it set up such a fucking dark and creepy atmosphere. And if they would have kept it like normal kids who like pulled together money to get kind of like a shitty cabin, a like, uh, evil dead and kept that lo fi creepy atmosphere. It would have been great. But the payoff is, as we get to hear rich blonde douchebag, talk about stupendous, uh, nipple placements. So I think it's worth it. Obviously. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I mean, I think I think that if they went, you know, this is going to sound t- kind of tropish, but I don't mean it for the entire time. If, like, when they were there during the day or something like that, like a quick thunderstorm had run through, and damn, like a tree had gotten struck by lightning and knocked out the power, and the power had been out damn near the whole time throughout the night, it may have changed it for me just a little bit. Huh. You know, something like that. Like, I'm not talking about it, you know, raining constantly and all the rest of that, like in the first Friday the 13th. But if it had been one of those things where it knocked out the power or something, then the, the, the creepiness of it probably would have changed for me a little bit.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's go into scenery and set design. Jay. Uh,
1: I gave that a nine. I thought everything, I mean, obviously we just had a huge discussion about the, uh, (laughs) the set design of his house, but I felt it all, it all felt natural to me. Like, uh, the camp where the camp was designed, his, uh, underground tunnels, uh, The rich kid's house, the gas station, all of the sets looked and felt like what they were supposed to be. Nothing felt unnatural, in my opinion. I agree with you. Um, Watson?
4: I fell at an 8 out of 10 on this bad boy. And, you know, I probably could have gone higher because, I mean, everything looks fine in the film. Jason's house out in the woods there, his underground lair, Trent's place, the trashy neighboring houses where clay goes in search of whitney the camp even the lake itself it it all looks wonderful and for the most part it all serves the story nothing is like oh god that's so 2009 it 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 looks fine it holds up and i think it probably will for years to come uh eight out of ten still good though i'm down eight out of ten for scenery and set design all right kenneth
3: same thing i gave it an eight. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, scenery-wise, where this movie really shines is I think it shines on the camp itself, his underground lair, and then like Watson said, the neighbor the neighbors' places, like the barn. You know what I'm saying? Where 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 the pothead is is fondling the mannequin, you know, uh, all that stuff. I think that's where it really shines, in my opinion. You know, the 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 Bass Pro Shop house. You know, it's kind of like eh, it's a rich person's house in the woods, but damn. You know, the rest of it, it looked really fucking good. And the stuff that they threw in with it, you know, like like when you go into uh, Jason's room as a kid, the stuff that's in there and the things that they throw in, the little nuances to let you know, hey, this kid was a fucking archery champ. And that's the reason why he's a badass with that. And, and you know, when they put the, the, the Boy Scout shit on the fucking walls, like the, the tying the knots and all the rest of that stuff, everything that we get that kind of gives us aspects of how Jason knew how to survive for fucking 30 years, you know? So those types of things, I think, I think all that shit added in there was great. Um, you know, and there are things that they add into the set that even further goes into Jason's thing, like, you know, using bear traps and the big ass goddamn sharpening wheel that he's got and all the rest of that shit, everything that's added in. I think, I think that's where this movie shines. Um, so I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, and I think I took those two points off just because, like like I said, the, the rich person's house in the woods and stuff like that, I wasn't impressed by that at all. I was impressed by the other shit.
0: So I had to struggle with this one because I, I almost gave it a perfect 10 because I can't really find any actual flaws in the set scenery design. Uh, while I do think the rich house hurt the atmosphere... It's still a rich house that looks rich, which is what they are going for. So I didn't feel like I could take points off for that. The broke-down cabins were supposed to be broke-down cabins. They look good. The woods were supposed to be good. And so I was. So I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I was like, I'm going with an 8, and here's why. The most interesting parts are the cabins and the underground tunnels, and they kind of tease us with it. We got some shots, but I don't feel like really with the cabins, we got, we got to look inside, what, one of them? That's it. And then we only got a few shots of the tunnels where we could, you know, we could, you could see all the things Kenneth mentioned and you could see like Mark's wheelchair from fucking part two, (laughs) but you, I wanted more of that. And I, and the more I thought about it, I was like, well, those were the hardest things to make. So they didn't focus on those. They made them look good, but they can't give us more of that because it would probably just cost too much money. So I brought it down to an eight just because I wanted so much more of that, but instead I got so much more of Rich Dude's uh, fucking Bass Pro Shop.
3: Yeah, but see, the thing about it is, is it's like, you know, to me, uh, uh, for uh, for those sets, the, it's something that every time, you, you know, hey, we got those movies that we all watch that we fucking see something else every time we watch it. You know, it's the same way for that shit to me. I see something else that I recognize that fucking flows into the story with, you know, Jason's lair and and the cabins every fucking time that I watch it. There's something else where I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's that. You know what I'm saying? And stuff like that, you know. And uh, so I think that's the reason why I really, really enjoy those pieces of it.
0: I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I just want more of it. I feel like they skimped it. They uh they they could have given me a little bit more. Like I would have liked to seen him like going through a tunnel and then coming out of a tunnel, you know, somewhere else down near the water or something. Where he but don't they have a scene them. like that where he goes into his tunnel and pops out in front of the guy? Uh, they've got the scene of him running in the tunnel chasing them, but I don't. I remember could have sworn there was seeing... like him
1: popping out in front of somebody because he was previously in his tunnel. I don't Maybe remember I'm that. Does anyone mistaken. else remember that? I think oh, Jay's right. Oh. I think Jay's right. I I don't remember that at all. Like it may not be showing him going into it, but he I could swear there's definitely a scene where he pops out of somewhere, and it's linked to his tunnel, and he's like, ah, I'm Jason. He doesn't say that, but you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I don't remember that at all. And I've I, got it. I've got it going on the TV. I'll probably all right, see if it you spot it, and let us know. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are going to move on to acting. Jay, take
1: us away. Uh, I gave it an eight uh, everybody played their tropes well uh, the the Asian dude was absolutely hilarious um, the guy that played clay was good. I didn't really have any complaints about anything. I mean none of it's gonna win an Oscar but it also wasn't it wasn't cheesy within the acting abilities. They were cheesy because they were playing their tropes up but I don't feel like any of their acting was off. I felt they all did a pretty good job. All right Watson.
4: Yeah, I'm at the good old handy score here, 7 out of 10. No one's bad, but no one's outstanding either. You know, hell, I'm a I'm a big Supernatural fan, but, you know, my man Sam was just kind of there. Uh, the girls, are everybody besides Jason is just kind of there. That's not always a terrible thing, though. It's not, like, the best thing. A uh, handy, 7 out of 10. All right, Kenneth?
3: I, I gave it an 8. I actually appreciated everybody's acting. You know, to kind of flow into what Watson was saying, like, it's very difficult for me to not... And I'm pretty sure he's gonna be fucking stuck like this for the rest of his life. But it's difficult to see him as anybody other than Sam Winchester, right? You know, because because you're like we're like what fucking thirteen, fourteen years into Supernatural, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so you can't, I can't unsee him as Sam Winchester. It's it's very difficult. Um, but the rest of them, I thought it was great. I mean, there really wasn't there really wasn't any major spots that I think of um well like the one that i didn't really care for is you know even though he was supposed to be like this fucking weird shot out fucking douchebaggy kind of guy was the guy at the beginning that fucking discovered the weed you know what i'm saying I, i there was just something that was kind of off to me about his acting it was almost like he was trying too hard to be that character um but everybody else, I was just kind of like, okay, you know, it was it was pretty good. Um, there was a couple of spots where the uh, the chick that takes the machete through the chest that we think is going to be the final girl. There was a couple of spots that I didn't really care for hers either. You know, like she was just kind of out there, weird, off. But otherwise, it was it, everything else was pretty solid. So right. I give it an eight.
0: So I'm going with the classic hand job, also at a seven. Uh, I think I've said this for every single fucking Friday the Thirteenth movie. You have. And I'm going to say it again. The acting is good, but not great and not bad. So therefore, there's something to say about acting that never takes you out of the movie due to not being to either extreme. I'm a fan of that, especially in horror movies, because if someone's going to take me out of the horror movie, then that's a bad thing. Um, Acting so bad can do that and acting so great can do that. So I'm glad to say that none of the acting had that effect on me. And I forgot they were acting halfway through the movie, Yeah, if that's possible. Uh, So we move on to special effects. Jay, give us the sex.
1: I gave the special effects a nine. Uh, Practical effects looked great. Jason looked great. We got sackhead Jason. We got mask Jason. Um, His disfigurement looked good just ever the kills look great i just loved everything about this movie that involves special effects and i had zero complaints
0: all right watson
4: i am also at a nine out of ten the the special effects work that you know aren't the kills themselves because that's our you know separate category they're solid everything holds up and is coordinated rather well the scene where Willa Ford gets smacked in the head by the underside of the boat while she's in the water that's good stuff The the makeup work with jason good stuff it all rings true no complaints near perfect nine out of ten all right kenneth
3: i gave it an eight and the biggest reason why i gave it an eight is because of the cgi machete i did not like it i did not like it at all i didn't like it when the cgi machete came down through the dock for a wheel of Forge kill i did not like it when it came through chick's chest i thought it looked cartoony and that's the reason why i gave it an eight everything else was very good I like the practical effects and I like the way that Jason's face looked. Um and I like the effects that they did on uh Derek Mears' body to make him look even more strange than Derek Mears already looks. Um so, you know, because if any of y'all have ever met that dude in person, you know, he he he's a very solid dude. You know what I'm saying? And so he's 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 <laughs> yeah, pretty good he in yeah, he's pretty good in swole up. But right around his neck, he's got that, that thing where he looks like he works out, you know. And you can always tell when you're looking at somebody's neck, like with the veins come up and stuff. So they added a chest piece and a neck piece on top of him to make him look even more like that. Like oh, he was okay. doing more swell up. So I like that. I thought that looked really good. But the biggest complaint that I had was the was the CGI machete. That shit fucking really got under my skin.
0: Yeah, uh, I gave it an 8 because for the most part, everything looks good. Uh, but, um, I don't know, there weren't very, there wasn't, um, like, that many inventive kills that made me think of, uh, man, I wonder how they did that special effect. In fact, when I was trying to think of one, I, the one I thought of the most was the cop kill, but I was like, but that wasn't, the special effects isn't what blew me away, it was the, the cinematography that blew me away.
3: So, that one was really good.
0: Yeah. So while I was like, okay, well, fuck. Honestly, most most of the time it's me just going, damn, the cinematography was good, and I didn't care as much about the special effects. But for the most part, they were solid. Uh, you know, past some of the the funny looking CGI machete. Um, I didn't think it was absolutely horrible. Not enough to really bother me a lot. Um, but I think that's also because for the most part, like when the chick at the dock gets killed you see titties so you're distracted when the chick who gets it through the chest later on gets killed you're shocked that she died so they chose the proper places to use a little shaky cgi because there was something else going on that that took you your attention away but if you watch the movie enough and those have kind of lost their effect on you then you're going to have what Kenneth has and you're going to notice that shit and you're going to point it out so
3: I mean don't won- get me wrong I mean Willa Ford's tits are great yeah.
0: and I like looking at them every time I watch this
3: movie as a matter of fact as this past time that I watched the movie I even googled her tits afterwards <laughs> I love you Kenneth I love you I mean, I'm not going to lie, but still, I mean, it's just like, I can't get past it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, it, it, the, the blade of that thing just shines too fucking much when it goes into her skull.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. We move on to kills slash
1: gore. Jay, give us the business. So I gave this a nine. Um, I gave it a nine because the kills were varied enough that it wasn't boring Um, we get a bow and arrow, we get a machete, um... And another machete, and another machete. there's, There's more than that, though, and I'm just... Fucking now I'm blanking on it, but I actually was making a fucking mental note of this. like, oh, sweet, it's not just the machete over and over again. Um, and maybe it's just because I just finished, uh, the Nightmare remake, where it's literally all glove kills. But I was just like, thank God, it's not just the machete, and I made a mental note of all the different kills... Uh, well, that's but, okay.
0: You can save some for us to talk
1: about. Yeah, but either way, that's why I scored it so high. I remember saying, "All right, cool. It's not all just the same. It's a nice variety of the way Jason likes to kill people. Um, nothing is like truly innovative. kind of, you know, like how, on, like Freddy versus Jason, we get the the bed squishing where he pushes the guy in half or the girl in half. So nothing like crazy innovative like that. It's all." you know, standard stuff, but it was done really well and there was enough variation to keep me entertained and happy throughout. Yep. All right, Watson. Well, I got to piggyback there
4: off Jay's nine with my own nine. Now, CGI machete aside, I'm going to have to, you know, I feel comfortable with the nine and it's not as much because of what happens with these kills, but how, you know, these are some of the most brutal kills in the franchise in that they're done in a way that we're not used to from Jason. Like when he kills Lawrence, and oh, right before he kills Lawrence, actually, and leaves him out there as bait. We've never seen a version of Jason strategize like that before. When he stabs the screwdriver through Chewie's neck, it's vicious, but it's slow. You know, that first act when he uses his woodsman-like training to just murk everybody. You, you gotta love that updated sleeping bag kill and the use of the bear trap and the machete to the head. You know, and listen, I, I wouldn't say these are the most fun or creative kills we get, but they're done with a new kind of brutality than we're used to from Jason and his quick and painless approach. So that was kind of what, it was more of the how he's doing it or why J, that that Jason is doing these kills rather than just what the kills are themselves.
1: I oh, agree. I, I have to chime in really quick because what you said just reminded me. In the beginning, when he fucking iron bulls that chick with the sleeping bag, that we hadn't seen at all before. That was fucking great. Yep. All right, Kenneth.
3: I gave it a seven. I thought some of the kills were absolutely fucking magnificent. And then I thought some of the other ones were just kind of weak. I mean, I went back and forth between the two now going to the sleeping bag thing. That one was pretty fucking, that was insane because I got to thinking about that the other day when I was riding down the road and, and the sleeping bag thing, I was just like, at first I was like, man, that, that shit wouldn't fucking happen that way. That sleeping bag would go up quick. And then I got to thinking about it longer and I was like, No. Sleeping bags are flame retardant. So that bitch would actually cook inside that sleeping bag before she died.
0: Yeah, I, in 2019 I don't think you can say retardant anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. But all right, but
2: and then I Flame
0: just... resistance, sir. Jeez.
3: And then, all right, I was just watching the scene, and it's something that I never noticed before. When she hits the ground and it shows that close-up of her, there's smoke coming out of her nose and her mouth.
0: Yep, I've got that listed.
3: And I was like, okay, that, that was pretty fucking good. That one was really good. That was probably that and the slow screwdriver to the throat were probably the two that really resonated with me in the entire movie. Those two were fucking brutal. Yeah. and you know so it's like i gave credit where credit's due to some of to some of the kills that were in it some of the other ones i was just like eh, you know i wish i wish the chick with the great tits would have went through a little more i mean don't get me wrong that 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 kill right there was definitely definitely terrifying you know because he you know he's just holding her there for a few minutes before he kills her but after that, you know, he just kind of slabs her on the deer antlers or something like that. I wish he would have, like, you know, grabbed her up underneath the chin or something and pulled her head off or some shit like that. But, uh, you know, so I, I kind of went back and forth. So I gave it a 7, and I'm, like, uh, you know, I stand, I, I hold firm on my 7.
0: All right. Well, I gave it an 8 because I pretty much love Everkill in this flick. And it's mostly because they do not come off as supernatural. They all come off like this is a wildlife living off the land hunter and he's using skills that he's learned through his life living off the land as a survivalist whether it's a bow and arrow whether it's a bullet attack whether it's throwing a fucking axe um you know stabbing upwards through fucking the floor to corner and move a person into a certain position like everything he does in this movie is calculated and brutal. Yes. But, nothing really innovative. Nothing that, like, nothing that really impressed. In fact, the only time that I was like, wow, was the arrow kill. Because I was like, wow, I don't know if he would have been able to make that fucking shot. (laughs) That's a moving fucking boat, and he's a decent ways off from the coast. Well, not the coast, but the shoreline. So... Uh, I I wish there would have been something more innovative or crazy, but I think it does make up for that with the brutality of some of these murders. Like, Kenneth's right. The screwdriver kill is fucking intense, and I don't think people realize how brutal that fucking one is because that's basically Jason looking down into your eyes as he's slowly pushing that screwdriver. He doesn't just fucking... Slam it in or anything like that. He is looking you dead in the fucking eyes. Mm -hmm. As he slowly pushes it into you. Like... A lot of his kills in this movie are fucking efficient. But... There's... That one... Um... And then the fucking... Uh... Uh... The axe one... Where... He's doing more than just an efficient kill. With... The screwdriver death... He is looking in your eyes and enjoying the shit out of it. With the axe death, he's trying to layer a trap, much like he did with uh, stabbing the machete underneath the wood to get dude to get into the right position. Or how fucking... Like, even the guy who gets hit with a bear trap, his death is, is more of a fucking mercy killing, and I think Jason was doing that more along lines of, is to scare the other girl. Because that dude's fucking... The bear trap was way fucking worse. Oh, yeah. Yep. But I think he was using it as a scare tactic against the other girl. This is a calculating Jason. It's 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 just fucking great. Um, speaking of, of a great Jason, we move into monster slash killer. Jay, take it away.
1: Gave this another nine. I fucking love uh, Derek as Jason. I felt he was absolutely perfect like I would if I was ranking them he would be second just below Kane Hodder and it might even be fucking tied I loved his performances Jason I loved his body movements I loved his body language I loved the way that he just everything It's just fantastic performance all right Watson
4: man my friends this is the most well thought out Jason in the franchise to me we immediately see right there in that credit sequence that he witnessed his mother's death and in true schizo-psycho fashion, he hears her voice tell him to kill for her. And hell, we just know, like Jerry said earlier, this guy's been out there in the woods surviving honing his skills as a trapper and hunter so that when these kids meet him, they're not just meeting some vaguely drawn-out mongoloid. No way. If you've ever wondered why he's so good with weapons, the movie tells us this. If you've ever wondered how Jason seems to know where everyone is, well, we've got his clever alarm system with the bells and the underground corridors to thank for that. If you ever wanted... You know, a truly scary Jason that no one in their right mind would dare mess with. This version of him is spot on correct. It makes me sad, you guys, that we didn't get to see any other films featuring Derek as Jason because uh, he was strong, fast, big and menacing. There's nothing funny or dumb about this gentleman. He rocks it. I mean, shoot, I would liked to see them take a sequel into parts five and six territory like how cool would it have been for the next film to focus on like a copycat killer a la roy from part five right only to have a newly resurrected undead jason kill this dude in the second act and then start the real tear man like what a bummer that didn't happen but anyway it is i love this jason he's the jason we needed for a modern slasher slasher era guys 10 out of 10
3: wow all right kenneth i'm coming in with a nine and uh, you know, uh, there's only a couple of little things that really don't even need mentioning of why he didn't get a ten, but y'all pretty much described why I gave him a nine when y'all were talking about the kills. I mean, this is a badass fucking Jason. Everything, I mean, everything about him. He he's he's just he's menacing. He's big. I mean, he he. Uh, I, I actually like the fact that he runs after some of them. Um. Uh, you know uh, the uh, the look um, the way he walks, the way he moves the 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 added fucking fear that people get because like Jerry said he does enjoy what he's doing in certain aspects of it I mean and then also on top of that I mean like like Watson said we got every reason why he is the way he is everything that he does, how he does it, how he gets through the campground, why he goes out there all this kind of shit I mean I, I think he was great. I thought he was a fucking awesome Jason. And then, again, you know, like I said, I, I met the guy at the first Days of the Dead. I met him, sat and talked, to, talked with him for like 20, 30 minutes. And it's crazy to talk to him and then see how well he did this because he's actually a really, really nice dude. He's a nice guy. He's fucking funny. He goddamn likes to bullshit and play around and shit like that. And then you see him jump into that fucking costume and just see what he does.
4: Oh, that's it's, cool. Yeah, I mean,
3: he him. was, yeah, he was a cool fucking guy. He was really fucking cool, and yeah, he didn't and have no funny problem as hell
0: with hell. It. Yeah, when you see him in like the Holliston show, he is funny as hell.
3: Yeah, like like when when I was there, when I talked to him, it was the last day. It was on Sunday, and there was nobody at his fucking table. So he just told me he I got to talking to him for a couple of minutes, got him to sign, you know, a uh, a picture, and I was talking to him for a couple of minutes. And He was just like, "Well, fuck it, dude." He was like, "Come back here and sit back here with me." He's was like, we'll what? sit here. Yeah. And he let me sit behind his table and just bullshit with him, like I said, for like 20, 30 minutes. He was cool wow. as
0: fuck. Nice. Well, to... uh, It's actually kind of funny because I wrote kind of the same thing that someone who, who just went just said. I wrote, this is a perfect Jason for the modern age. And I also agree and gave him a 10. Yeah. Uh, I have absolutely zero complaints about this jason and i 100 think if you're going to bring jason into the updated age of this world this is how you do it you make it realistic you make some make him basically a fucking doomsday prepper kind of dude uh except with less paranoia and you make everywhere <laughs> around there know who he is it's like uh the old lady who tells him uh tells sam to hey don't fucking fuck with him. He don't like to be messed with. Leave him alone. And Sam's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Sam finds out. And so he has to <laughs> yeah. blow salt in his eyes. Uh, <laughs> but I really, I, I just don't have any... I have zero complaints about this fucking Jason. I can't think of a single fucking one. Jerry, that makes me happy to hear, man. Yeah, so I I had to give it a 10. Um. I just, I didn't have an, any other way to go for it. So... All right, we step into the hero category. Jay, light us up.
1: Uh, I gave it an eight. There was nothing. Uh, I don't know why did I give it an eight. I gave it an eight because of reasons. Okay, <laughs> um, cool. I like it. I like his motivation. I like. Uh, I consider Clay the hero for this for this category. I like his motivation. I like that he wouldn't give up. I like that he was. Uh, you know, there wasn't anything really spectacular about him. He's just like I want to find my sister. And he does. It just so happens that he has to fight Jason while he's doing it. Yeah, that's very
4: true. Watson. I give this uh, category hero a 6 out of 10. You know, like I said about the characters earlier, they're all pretty wooden and unremarkable. Uh, Most of them are anyway. And This includes our main heroes. I will reiterate, though, that it was a good move on the part of the writers to trick us with who the final girl was and who it wasn't. And that gets the – that's why I'm giving it the 6 out of 10.
3: All right. Kenneth. Um. I gave the hero a 7. I mean, you know, I mean, I agree. It was pretty it was pretty straightforward, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I like that they I agree that I like that they threw us off at the final girl, but overall, I mean, you know, you got you got the final bout, you know what I'm saying, where it's Moose against Jason. You know what I'm saying? So it, I mean, it was cool and stuff like that. And I think you know the reason why Jason didn't get a, didn't get a full ten is because of that when they were up on the bus, and you know he's slamming damn, uh, he's slamming Sam around. You know that scene right there kind of threw me off because he didn't kill him, so I, that that was part of the reason that he, uh, Jason didn't get a uh, didn't get a ten. And then so and then Sam's uh, his part of it you know what i'm saying i mean it was pretty cookie cutter i mean he's a dude he's looking for his sister he's fucking fighting trying to save his sister and that was pretty much it you know so, and then the sis- and then the sister she was pretty good she came out to be a pretty cool final girl i like the fact that you know she she did what she had to do to kind of uh to kind of survive you know what i mean and and, and learned what to do not to piss jason off and so on and and so i like that aspect of it too but there was nothing that really blew me away about so,
0: either one. I want to say something about the uh, the top of the bus fight scene. In this movie, Jason kills absolutely no one with his bare hands. He does not do it whatsoever. During that fight scene, he did not have a weapon, or at least not one that he could get to right away. And his more concerned was not with him, but with getting the girl back who looks like his mom. So I think survivalist Jason was, I just need to knock this dude out so I can go back and get her. Yeah, but
3: brutalist Jason, that just doesn't seem... But he
0: doesn't kill anyone with his bare hands.
3: Yeah, yeah but still. I mean, I and, think it's just because in the rest of the movie we wasn't given an
0: opportunity for him to do that. But he also doesn't have the time. Most of the other kills in this movie, he has enough time to kill in the way... He's not on a... a like... He's not on a timer. He's on a timer with this one because he has to get that girl back. I guess. So I don't. I don't. I, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I do think there is an explanation for it. Whether it fits with your idea of this Jason or not is up to you. I mean, but I, I,
3: I get where you're coming from, and I understand you know the perspective of it and i see it that and i can see where you get that way but at the same time i don't know it just kind of it kind of puts that it kind of puts it in a different spot for me because i just don't feel like that even though every at every other kill there's some form of weapon i still don't feel like that you know especially when jason gets the upper hand you know because you see moose's face go through those windows i just don't I, I just don't think that when Jason gets the upper hand that he would just, you know, leave the dude knocked out. I just don't because it's like that, that's almost, you know, that's like that's like, OK, you, you look at it from a survivalist situation. That's almost like, OK, leaving yourself open, even though you're on a time frame to get the other person, that's still leaving yourself open for other issues later on. You know what I'm saying? That's almost like the same thing when you've got an enemy coming at you and you use a firearm to defend yourself against that enemy. If you're wanting to bring them down, you don't shoot them in the leg like they say in Lethal Weapon. Two in the chest, one in the head. Well, Every then it could, be,
0: it could just be looked at as him making a mistake thinking that uh, Sam was killed and Moving on without do you know not having that not thinking he had enough time to do a double tap.
3: And I and I mean I get it you know what I'm saying that's the reason why I said I see your perspective but like I said it just throws it off for me. You know
2: fair enough.
3: Yeah I mean if that perspective works for you and that that reasoning works for you then great you know what I'm saying but it it just kind of throws it off for me.
0: Yeah the reason it it doesn't for me is because I don't look at Jason in this movie as a you know unstoppable killing machine. I look at him as more human. I don't think this Jason can kill someone with his barrier. Like, I don't think this Jason can crush someone's skull. He could probably strangle someone, but unfortunately in real life, strangling someone takes, you know, like fucking five minutes. Yeah. So he ain't got time for that. And I don't see him crushing someone's skull. I see him as he's in this particular moment, he's lost his prized possession and he's going, and he's trying to get after it. And, it's that, not that making b- him think clearly. A little bit of more vulnerability. Yeah, he's losing a little bit of his his normal survivorless thinking because he's he's rushing to get his prize possession back. I get it. Like I said, I get it. All right, so I gave the hero the hand job. I gave it a seven. Um, and it's not because and mostly I don't really care for uh, fucking Sam and his sister. But I really like the way they play them in the final situation. Um, because they all come off as a bit generic. But the late character death uh, setting up who the actual final girl is. Makes it makes the heroes feel like they're in more danger. It's it's the Game of Thrones approach. And I fucking, I really dig that. So, But the more I thought about it. Because I originally had this at a 9. And the more I thought about it, I was like... Well, no, that's a situation making them seem like they're more dangerous than they are, but it's not them doing anything themselves. So I I lowered it down to a 7 because it was situational and not from the actual characters.
4: Yeah, that's why I scored what I did because I had the same thought process. It was a lot higher, and then I was like, no, it's because of the story being strong there more than the characters. And to, to piggyback off your point, Jerry, where you said you know, in that final act, you really do feel like your main, these main characters are in danger. I mean, let's look at, um, uh, the nightmare 2010. Was there at any point, were you ever thinking at any point that Rooney Mara was going to die? No, you know, she's the established final girl and she's going to make it to the end. You know, it, uh, in that third act, you, you kind of, you really don't know what's going
0: to happen here in Friday. 09, And that's, that's pretty unique. Yeah. I remember when I first watched the movie, I legit was like, I don't know if, the sister's going to die or Sam's going to die. I don't know. Like, I legit wasn't sure if they were both going to survive, if one of them's going to survive. Because, like, in a lot of the Friday the 13th movies, like, only, like, the chick survives and then we think the guy survives, but then they don't really mention, like, in part right, two. Part two, yep. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, I, I just don't, I don't know. Or, like, in part three where... You know the guy gets his head crushed, but it was he was the one that stuck by the final girl the whole time, so I just really didn't know, so it was more better writing for that ending, um which they then kind of fucked up by having the whole Jason jumping back out of the water thing. They should have never have had that. It should have ended with Jason with it fading to black on Jason's mask getting eaten up. movie should have just fucking cut right there, so okay. I just had this
3: weird kind of thing coming to my head with this. You know, we're talking about survivalists and stuff like that. And
0: I'm like, this movie's like fucking goddamn Rambo with a hockey mask. You know, I I was going to bring this up, and I haven't yet. Derek Amiers is quoted as to say he played his Jason as if he was Rambo. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean,
3: the more that I'm thinking about it, the more we're talking about it, it reminds me of the first Rambo movie. That is funny. Okay. Wow. Cool. So you bring that up
0: and... Yeah if, think about
3: it, yeah, if you think about it, I mean, think about some of those scenes in the first Rambo movie, you know, when the fucking lightning is flashing and shit, you know what I'm saying? And those cops are searching after him and he just comes out of nowhere and puts a knife to their throat and stuff like that. That's pretty fucking creepy.
2: Yeah, I'm
0: so, trying to find the quote that Derek Mears uh, said. Fucking where's the Rambo thing? No, it's. <laughs> Uh, God damn it. come on, you motherfuckers.
3: Rambo was a slasher.
0: I mean, it really is. Like, he, like he legit said. That's good shit.
2: <laughs> I like that.
0: I'm gonna find this. Why does this now have too much fucking information?
3: And he uses a bow. If we'd have just seen him use the bow a little bit more.
0: Yeah, one more kill, yep.
3: Yeah, that would have been good.
0: Well, I can't fucking find it, so fuck it. We're moving on. All right. Score slash soundtrack.
1: Jay, tell us, tell us that knowledge. Uh, seven. Uh, you guys know I have such a hard time judging these things. Music was fine. The orchestral stuff was good for the scenes it was in. Nothing stands out. Nothing was bad. I hate this category. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> All right. Um. Watson, <laughs> I give it a six out of ten,
4: kind of for the the same reasons. And as a musician, I do hone in when the music is stellar. You know, the soundtrack for The Witch or like Hereditary; th- those those soundtracks just set it off, and they're they're unique and strange. Just like Jay said, you know, the orchestral pieces here are fine. They they work to build the suspense. But I've seen this film a ton of damn times, you guys, and I never really honed in on it like i would if it were you know some true you know uh manfredini business so i don't know it's it's average it's fine six out of ten no hate all right kenneth same thing
3: i gave it a i gave it a classic hand job though i gave it one more point but i feel the same way i mean it there wasn't nothing and you know i always go deep into this one but there, there wasn't really anything that was impressive to me i mean it was just you know music thrown in there to fucking fuel the movie that was
0: it Yep. yep, I also gave it a classic hand job because I felt like while the score was solid and fit really well, it uh, doesn't really do anything. But I will say this, and this might piss off some Manfredini fans. I am glad they left the Manfredini behind because Manfredini would not work on this movie. I agree. Uh, yep. It needed to have a new sound, and the new sound was a more of a background player, and I think it should have been a background player, so... Um, I when don't the, think this... Wasn't the
3: ka 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 ma 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 thing in there, like, once? At the very Yeah, I think beginning. it was in
0: there once, but that's it. And you know what? I'm fine with that, too. I, I, I mean... Yeah,
3: because sometimes, man, even though it's really, really, or like, like, how it's put together from a musical standpoint is really good, sometimes it's just, it's way overpowering in some of these movies. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, yeah. It's
3: good, so, but yeah, overpowering.
0: I agree. We move on to Jay's favorite category, Scare Factor. Go ahead, Jay uh i gave it a three
1: (laughs) you're not jay i was speaking for you sir uh uh jason is creepy jason is really creepy he's uh more feasible i think they did a better job of explaining how he would be so to me that kind of ups the 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 scare factor um but again, this is another category that I have such a hard time with because I'm just delighted when a mass killer is murdering people in the woods. There's nothing scary about that to me. Uh, but I felt that the way they built up Jason um, was pretty was pretty key- creepy. Okay, Watson. My friends, I gave this an eight out of 10. This is the
4: only one in the franchise that I find legitimately scary. Part two is my favorite, but it's you know pure fun for me. This one on the other hand, You guys, it has a mean streak to it that just works for me on all levels. This Jason, like we talked about earlier, huge, he's smart, he's out for blood. And I think the filmmakers did well in demonstrating this without getting silly. 8 out of 10.
0: All right, Kenneth.
3: I gave it a 7. It had moments where it was scary.
0: Okay, well, uh, I gave it an 8 because I took myself back to 2009. I'm walking in the woods. I'm listening to Right There by Chingy. And out of nowhere... (laughs) (laughs) A crazy wood hermit guy comes out there and kills me because I was hunting for some weed. Um, and this is this is what makes fucking people who live out in the woods scary to me is this right here because it was all realistic uh, for the most part. And I don't want to be fucking getting a machete to my head and the last thing I'm hearing is I like what you're doing right there um right there right there you got Uh, a pretty mouth right there i like how the machete goes right there um so i gave it an a because you know what i'm i'm actually really scared of this jason um so yeah there we go and i want it to be said the reason i'm listening to the chingy song is because kenneth used to play that song a lot just so all of you know right there I don't know why. He he was obsessed with he didn't really play that many other Chingy songs. Uh but for is some there any reason, other ones? Yes, there is. There's multiple <laughs> other ones. But for some reason he was obsessed with just how Chingy pronounced it right there. He thought it was the funniest thing ever and he I'm would in. say it fucking constantly. Yeah. That's
3: okay. awesome. That's what drugs do to you there, children.
2: <laughs> that, <laughs> that's
0: true right there. Um all right, we move on to entertainment. Jay,
1: nine entertain me nine. It's endlessly entertaining. It's just for all the reasons that I gave for everything else earlier: the kills, the pacing, uh, the way Jason was portrayed. All of it is super entertaining. I fucking love this movie. All right, Watson.
4: I'm at a nine as well. This one is entertaining to me from start to finish, and it's one of my favorites in the series which might not be a popular thing to think. Well, shoot, we're all not saying, I guess, what might be the popular thing to think, but I personally don't worship on the altar of any decade of horror, the 80s included, so I don't feel a need to come at this one as though Thank it threatens my, nos- my nostalgia, you know, because it doesn't. I love, part two's my favorite, but this one doesn't threaten that for me. It's, it's solid, entertaining, nine out of 10, homies. I didn't
1: know Thank we you. were
0: dealing with such Thank fucking you. blasphemous, heathen, atheist around here.
1: <laughs> I hate it when I'm in the fucking horror groups and everyone's like, 80s had the best horror movies. I'm like, 80s had just as much trash as any other decade. Just because you grew up with it doesn't make it a better movie. Fuck no me. argument for it there, right? Well, yeah. the
0: problem is is because either you grew up in the 80s watching 80 horror movies... Or you grew up in the 90s, all the 90s horror movies sucked, so you were stuck watching the fucking 80s ones. Especially since they were getting played on TV fucking constantly. That was my childhood, yep, that was my childhood. But I also really embraced what's happening now, and so it never felt
4: like my nostalgia had to compete with my love for things now. And, you know, hey, you know, we all know some of those, you know, a lot of those 80s movies hold up and are fantastic. But, you know, just like Jay is saying, I don't have a, you know, I like I said earlier I don't have a need to be like oh new things I love remakes and and I yeah. and, you know and, and I just Look, kind of judge them on the basis of their story and if they're good
0: not because oh remake equals bad so I'll say this the 80s gave us the horror icons yeah. but as for the greatest decade of horror movies critically it's the 70s period and I, like I, I the, the 70s has the most 10 out of 10 movies Uh, in horror when you start talking if someone makes a list of of the greatest horror movies of all time where they're being objective and not towards their own bias you're going to see fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, The Exorcist, Jaws, Dawn of the Dead like those are the movies you're going to see on there and they're all from the fucking 70s So,
4: well, Jerry, I'm totally with you because one of my film professors, we we had this big talk. uh, This would be in like 2012. We had this big talk about how I I was talking with her about horror movies and we were talking about 80s horror. Right. And she Mm -hmm. was just like, you know, I grew up in the 70s. So those movies for me were the, the ones I came up on. And so when I was in my 30s in the 80s. Um, you know those movies were for kids and they were fun and she's like i would go see them and they were fun but i she's like we abandoned the 80s abandoned not i mean by and large just the 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 slasher paradigm that got huge kind of abandoned the the those critically acclaimed movies like you know the exorcist and and and, and jaws and those were doing something different for their time which is fine but you know she from somebody who was coming into the 80s as somebody who was already grown she thought it was just kid stuff and it was fine but just you know now you those people who grew up in the eighties are now the adults, so and they're the ones at yeah, the podcast. The,
0: so why not blow the eighties? I, I just eighties was the eighties was the fucking decade of decadence. Fucking it was yeah. it was all about entertainment, it was all about shock value, it was all about fucking blood. You had less stories Sex. that had like epic fucking like had an epic storyline or were touching on something very, very important. Uh they just didn't have the same feel as a lot of those 70s movies like there's not a movie from there's not a horror movie from the 80s to me that can have the same fucking importance that the exorcist had and I'm not even talking about like people's reactions to it I'm talking about how it touches you
1: well, sure, how yeah. it
0: reaches fucking into your brain I'm down there Yeah, <laughs> we know where Kenneth wants to be touched Uh, yes okay, like uh, watch it Speaking of touching, uh, Kenneth, uh, where are you at for entertainment? I'm at a
3: six. And the biggest reason why I'm at a six is because I've seen this movie so many goddamn times that
0: I honestly will get about halfway through it and cut it off. Kenneth, all of a sudden you sound like you have some, some kind of sticky white substance in your throat.
2: <laughs> I do. I do. Okay. Damn it, Watson. Kidding. I said it. Wait till after the show. <laughs> I just, he just
3: looks so good over there. No, actually, I'm getting over being sick. I've been sick for like the past three days. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I put it at a six because it's one of those where, you know, honestly, at this point in time of my life, I've seen it so many times that I would probably skip over it on TV.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm at an eight. Uh, I, I think it's an enjoyable, relaxed film. Um, and it's one of those films that you can just throw in on the background and just look over when you see titties or someone die. Yeah. So I think it's pretty good. Uh, going hand in hand, we go to rewatchability. Uh, Jay, go ahead.
1: Uh, I gave this a nine as well. Um, I I love this remake. I love, I love it. That's that's all I really need to say. All right,
0: Watson. This is why we're getting rid of this category because it just needs to be an entertainment. Uh, Watson, go ahead.
4: Yeah, yeah. So there are certain Friday films that I will, and I mean this. I I'm not a completist. So there are certain Friday Friday films I will probably never watch again in my life. This is not one of those. I will probably give this a watch sometime in the next year or two, which is good for me. Uh, and because you, you guys heard on the last show, I don't like rewatching even my favorite movies. You know, unless it's for a review. Uh, but for newer viewers, I think there's a lot to come back here for. The the kills are solid. The sex, while excessive maybe to a fault, is good for what it is. The scene with Trent and Bree yeah those, those are juicy tits dude and that's yeah. a direct quote and I, I love that he calls her dude I, that's my that might be my favorite part of the movie will afford out in the boat you know maybe my personal favorite lady in the franchise regarding the physical appearance you know me in the small blondes how i roll seven out of ten for
0: rewatchability i also want to say the chick in the sleeping bag who dies worst tits of the franchise that Just was saying. weird totally fake yeah. yeah real bad fake uh kenneth rewatchability seven Yeah, you kind of already answered that one, so I expected that. (laughs) Um, I gave it an 8 because it does have super. Like I said, to stow it on in the background is background noise while you pin your Chingy love letter. Um, (laughs) Right there. uh, All right, we move on to our last category of pop culture, Jay. Uh,
1: I gave it a 9. I think I had reasons for that when I wrote down that score. <laughs> but wait, you wrote I, down that, but you didn't write down your reasons. Listen, you know me and note taking. Um, I just feel like, at least in the horror community, people know. People know it. People tend to enjoy it, and usually, if you're looking at like lists of best remakes, it's usually on there. Um, people really enjoy it, so yeah. All right. Watson so okay much like
4: with Elm Street 2010 we find ourselves in this situation where this film failed to successfully launch the franchise it's you know it's its respective franchise out to new audiences the difference though between this one and I guess my thoughts on the same thing which you know we'll talk about later when we get to the end of Elm Street uh, is that Elm Street shot itself in the foot for various reasons that I'll get at uh, when we get to that category but with this here, It's more of that good old, same old, same old. And that's as much as you can hope for with films like these. You know, all that said, it seems like the horror community was stoked for it and it's got its defenders to this day. I don't know if I would say this film was widely acknowledged by non-horror fans though, if we're trying to get into wider pop culture, but I do recall it being a good date night movie that younger fringe horror audiences did go pay to see yet. I'm just not sure that it's staying power was big in the culture at large. Uh, so I, I kind of just went in the middle with it. I got confused, guys, and so I, I can't wait to hear what everybody else thinks. I give it a 5 out of 10.
0: All right, Kenneth.
3: I gave it a 6, and the reason why I gave it a 6 is because when the movie came out, you know, it, it for horror fans, it was great because we realized that the impact that this movie was having because it was a quote-unquote remake, and so... When it came out, we were stoked for it. We wanted to see what was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Even though you had so many different people that were on the fence about remakes and that whole big, big, you know, conversation about whether remakes suck and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, but at the same time, as for generality, it didn't perform like other movies do because I don't think outside of the horror community, the general audience realized the impact that it was. It was just another Jason movie to them. They didn't see it as a remake of, you know, or, or or a reboot of the franchise to see where it was going and things like that. They didn't get it. We did because, you know, you know, we all got hard ons for horror movies anyway. And we all know about this, uh, uh, about the whole story of Jason and how it's had its incarnations toward the end and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't, everybody else didn't get that. And I think that's the reason why it didn't have such a huge pop culture status as other movies in the, in the franchise.
0: All right. Um, so I gave it a seven. It kind of due to time, it kind of lost against Halloween and nightmare during the remake wars, uh, with more people talking about those more than any of the other remakes. Um, and I think it's because this Friday the Thirteenth stuck to formula, and the people enjoyed it. It was a big thing when it came out because it came out on a Friday the Thirteenth. It was it had a it came out uh, on a holiday, so it got a four day weekend, uh, and it did forty three million on that first weekend. The problem is, is it had an eighty percent fallout for its second week, which oh. is a fucking lot. Um People liked, liked it on its opening weekend because it was Friday the 13th. It was a great date thing, but after that, it just kind of fucking dropped, and people didn't care. But nowadays, it's it's looked at very fondly, and uh, I know earlier um, in 2000, uh, well, actually late in 2018, uh, NECA, I think it was NECA, NECA announced a Friday the 13th uh, remake, Toys coming. Uh, they announced that along with a Roy toy from Part Five, mm-hmm. uh, and people oh. were fucking excited. So I think over time, people have grown to really like this movie. I think a lot of people uh, who originally were like, "Oh no, fuck this!" for the because during this this was the huge remake fucking error, and I think a lot of people didn't go see it because they were tired of remakes and they were out, they were done, they wanted to move on, um, and unfortunately. Netflix was around you you weren't really streaming back then but you were just like oh no I got three discs in from Netflix this weekend I'm just going to watch that instead <laughs> the discs, um, yeah. during that this time theater movies were not doing that great in general so I think it's, it's held it's own over time uh, pop culture wise but I don't think it deserves anything more than a 7 that's
2: um, fair yeah that's
0: fair so, with that being said, our total scores are I come in with 112. Jay coming in the highest with 127. Kenneth coming in the lowest with 109. And Watson coming in with a 114. Wow.
4: How about those numbers? We weren't uh, as varied as I thought we might be on that one, guys.
0: We were not. It's it's pretty pretty impressive. Right on. Um, and, and I think, in general, I think we're all pretty we all really like the movie. Yeah. Um, some of us have seen it too much at this point, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we all definitely really, really enjoy it. So with that being said, it's time to go back to Elm Street. Yeah. So we're doing A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake from 2010. And uh, as always, I make sure I set it up to where I get to go first because it's... A Nightmare on Elm Street, and obviously it should be me who talks about Freddy first.
1: Yes, clearly.
0: Uh, I'm glad you agree, Jay. (laughs) So, story. uh, I gave the story a six. It changes just enough to keep you guessing, but it's slow to dish out the new developments. While I do like the mystery of did he or didn't he through it, um, it crawls the line of remaking a lot from the original while Doing some changes that are really good and some changes that I'm just like, why? Well, like, basically Nancy and Chris aren't even really friends in this one. Uh, and I also want to point out a huge fucking plot hole. How the fuck did none of these kids know each other between kindergarten and eighth grade? They knew each other for preschool? And they're like, oh, then we didn't meet till high school. Did they all, like, move away for years or something? Or did they make sure... Did they send them to different elementary schools? And if they'd send them to different elementary schools, how many fucking elementary schools is in this fucking town?
1: Oh, three, actually. Uh, It's very well known that Springwood has three distinct (laughs) elementary schools. Oh!
0: Okay, that's still not (laughs) enough (laughs) elementary schools to cover all these fucking people. But, yeah, nonetheless, um...
1: Dude, think about
3: how many elementary schools are in Newnan.
0: I, I know, but for none of these kids—uh, which I didn't count how many kids were in there—but it's over ten. For none of these fucking kids to have known each other from kindergarten through eighth grade, this doesn't fucking make any sense. It's a stupid, uh, it doesn't really matter plot hole, but yeah, it's strange. It just kind of blew me away, but. Uh, that's fair. That's a good yeah. to- So, I, like I said, the story is enough to keep you interested in going, but um, I felt like they they didn't put their all into it. So, well, I guess what I'm saying. Uh, so, with that being said, Kenneth's story. I got a
3: nine. I actually really like the story of this. I like where they went through it. I like the fact that they took the story and they made it for a little bit, they made it seem like that they were going to do, that they were going to change the reason why his vengeance was there to where like he was innocent and they, and they, they, you know, burned him alive for something that he didn't do. And then fucking whip that shit back around on you. And it was like, Oh no, no, he's pissed off because y'all fucking goddamn got him in trouble for being what he did. And so on. So I was just like, I actually really like that aspect. Cause I remember when we watched it the first time I remember going through it and I'm like, Oh no, they fucking changed this shit to make it seem like you know he 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 was innocent. I really, really liked that. And then when they flipped it around, I liked that even more. So that that was that was the main reason why I gave it a nine. I actually really appreciated that.
0: All right, Watson.
4: Kenneth, that, that's man, that's awesome that you appreciated that. You know, um well, oh, I'll I'll give that in a second. That's I, really well, cool, but well, <laughs> no, I just I just like how he worded it. I, I really do. No, I remember sitting in the theater, you guys, watching this back in 2010, and during those first two acts and into the third, I I would have been I would have given this a minimum of a nine, a minimum of a nine. The introduction of the mic first story, the introduction of micro naps, smart add on to things that I you know to to these things that I really liked, but it was how the dream sequences seemed to be leading the protagonists and us viewers toward the revelation that Freddie was actually innocent of the crimes the townsfolk thought he committed, and it's this story arc. The idea that Freddy never hurt these kids and was killed for nothing. The idea he's murdering the Elm Street kids in their dreams all these years later as real legit revenge for being falsely accused and molesting and the whole concept that Freddy Krueger was a good man and it was vigilante justice that created the monster we've now got. Uh, gosh, if the filmmakers had gone through with that, if they'd had the guts to give us a Freddy whose revenge plot is legitimized to some degree, then we'd be able to empathize with them a little more. We'd at least be able to get on board with... Why he's killing these teens all these years later. And it would have been a stroke of brilliance for their deaths to represent the the, uh, the the repressed guilt, I guess, that they had for lying to make Freddy out to be a creep. But, you know, it would have been genius to make these deaths be a response to the mob mentality, right? That got Freddy killed back in the day. I mean, could you imagine that kind of handling of the story? Amazing, ain't, but son of a bitch.
2: It would have been guys, great. But uh, here's like, the thing.
0: Like, they threw in that one scene of Chris as a little girl with the fucking cut marks on her back. Yeah. And, like, they shouldn't have had that same period because during the whole, because that was during the whole did he or didn't he thing. Yep. And then they throw in this thing that's 100% pure evidence he did it. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: then they keep trying to do the, who did it? Did he do it? Did he not do it? And I agree with you, Watson. Had they, dude, if they would have flipped the fucking script on us. Holy shit. Epic. Instead, you know, we got
4: we got pedo Freddy, and it dispels all intrigue and subtlety. And at this point, the notion that these dream sequences were pointing toward a bigger mystery at hand, uh, well, that doesn't mean much anymore. Like on a second watch, except that pedo Freddy just wants another crack at these now grown kids, which is which is a mean streak, uh, and that's kind of cool in itself. But but there's nothing here anymore in that mystery and intrigue. You can't just ah uh, dangle a. Dazzling carrot of a story arc in front of the audience like that, and just take it away. See, like, I like uh, it. I like it. Oh, see, though. and that's you know, I, I think that's cool too. I, I for for me, man, like uh, just it's it was like a solid gymnastic routine that is like holy shit, how is she doing that? And then she busts like and breaks her ankle on the landing for me. And I was just like, oh, you guys. So I gave it a three out of ten on the story because I felt like it was building up to a nine and it just punched me in the dick. So it felt like a wasted plot. <laughs>
2: Wasted exactly. Mystery. That's the
4: reason why <laughs> and, I think you got a nine, because it punched you in the dick. Well, fair enough. I mean, but, you know, it felt like a wasted opportunity to elevate things past what we knew. And I just kind of wished I was wasted right now talking about that. But
0: <laughs> three out of ten. Well, here's the thing, though. The movie does show us how to cure pedophilia. Once you get them pissed off enough that they want revenge, they don't care how old you are.
2: <laughs> they don't
0: care that you've grown up in puberty.
2: Hey, Well, there we go. Oh, wait.
0: Wow, Jay! I'm gonna, 10 out of 10. so Jay. Uh, Watson said three out of ten. You got to follow that up.
1: Oh, it was a ten out of ten. I love the fact that he's a pet. I mean, uh, no, uh, for real though, eight. I gave an eight. Um, I liked it. I liked the. I liked the changes that they made. Um, I liked the the, what's the word I'm looking for? The switcheroo, <laughs> I guess, would be the technical term. I think right. That's what they teach you in college. Yeah, the old good
0: old switcheroo. That's what I learned in detective school
1: that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what i learned um, in thailand <laughs> i like that they went with the uh the original plan for freddie before west craven pussied out and changed it um yeah all around i didn't really have any i didn't really have any problems with the story uh, Did you know
2: they whatsoever. didn't they I, didn't
0: consult craven at all for this movie yeah
1: i know he was kind of upset about that um but i don't uh shit what was i gonna say Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, Sorry. I agree that if they had actually went through with it and made him completely innocent, that would have been just absolutely amazing. But I'm not mad at what we got instead.
0: Oh, my God. Can you think of the backlash it would have gotten? People would have been like, no, Freddie is a child killer. How dare they? Like, it just been a bunch of people defending a child
1: murderer. Those people are dumb.
3: The backlash they probably would have got the same reaction that people got on the fucking the the last Star Wars movie.
1: Yeah,
0: I, it would have been really weird to see Freddie drink weird space alien titty milk, right? Uh, I actually
3: really enjoyed that scene. It gave me a little bit of joy.
0: Just saying,
4: I love you, Kenneth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I would love to see what Kenneth would do if he had like 24 hours to just get drunk and wild on Jabba the Hutt's barge. <laughs> I, would I could it. see him on in his last hour smash, done, has done so many fucked up things that R2-D2 is fucking actually started speaking in English, cussing with with fucking anger, and then he looks out to the desert, he sees a sarlacc pit, he goes, oh, I'm gonna fuck that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to find me a big pit
3: in the desert with teeth in it, and I'm going to fuck it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's going to
0: be like, I'm coming on you, Bubba Fett. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. All right. Character development. Uh, I gave it a five because, really, besides Freddy and his backstory, there's no real development. Made for each character. Now, to be fair, you could argue that whatever the parents did to repress those memories uh, is why we have no backstory. And it's obviously meant for us to have no backstory. But, uh, I also feel like none of the characters have anything. Uh, the, The parents are barely there. The fucking... The the fucking first, like, 30, 40 minutes of the movie makes Chris the fucking person before we hand it over to someone who looks like she's about to get fucking changed into a hot chick for prom because some football player made a bet that he would uh, ask Janie to the prom. She's so hot. <laughs> yeah, but Janie's uh, got a gun. Janie does have a gun. And she, she would have had a gun when they pulled him out of the fucking... Uh, Dream world and blew his fucking head off. We right? could have had that, but no. Hillary Clinton said, "No, we can't have guns," and so Fuck we didn't fucking. Get... Okay, I'm sorry that that was the wrong uh, thing to go off of. Um, so yeah, I just feel like that they, they do fucking very little for the characters in this movie, um, and it's the one like at least with Friday the Thirteenth, we got characters. Like they might have been generic as fuck, but we got characters in this movie, they literally put as little effort as they they had to into the characters um so that's what I gotta say about that Kenneth I would not fuck Hillary Clinton what what if <laughs> none I'm just of us putting wouldn't. that out there
3: I would not fuck Hillary Clinton
0: I would but here's the thing I'm only doing it to find out if she's a reptilian or not ah. You can
3: I'll take your word for it.
0: Well yeah, but someone's gotta take one for the team for them to have a word to be taken.
3: Yeah. I'll put my I'll put my dick in various things, but not Hillary Clinton. I'll fuck a Sarlacc pit, but
0: Hillary Clinton?
3: No. <laughs> no, it ain't happening. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I, I gave off. the characters a six. It was there was some areas where I was just like they were very cardboard. Um, even though I think the chick that played Nancy's really hot. I do not fucking think that she was anything special as Nancy. Um, her her boyfriend. I, there's very few movies that I like that actor in anyway. Um, he always makes me feel sad
0: cause he looks sad. He looks he like a fucking puppy dog that has a fucking heroin yeah. addiction, but it hasn't got bad enough yet that he's like on the streets. He's still in the cool, like, Kurt Cobain phase of it.
3: Yeah, right. And then uh, you know, dude that you know slices his own throat at the beginning of it. I mean, he was kind of cute. Um and then chick yeah, that too, plays two too rock jaw for me. Uh I kinda like that. Uh Chick that plays uh <laughs> Tina. Um, you know, Christina Uh she she was alright. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I like that I like that actress better than Arrow, but other than Oh my that,
0: god, I never put that together. Yeah, that it's her name is Chris, as in Christina, as in Tina. Damn, I never got that. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I gave it a six.
4: All right, Watson. I am at a six as well. You know, just like you both have said, there are no real dynamic characters in the film except for freddy everyone feels a bit wooden and downplayed but I, I will say our protagonists are given a mystery to solve and regardless of my feelings about that mystery you know they they go through a certain amount of ups and downs to you know to, to, they, they feel some some emotions sometimes six out of ten
0: yeah they felt sad once
1: uh yeah, jay <laughs> uh, i gave it a six basically for all the reasons you guys gave it a six um Sweet. Freddy Moving is the on. best character, as he is in the original movie. Um, everyone else is kind of, eh, they're there. Fair enough. All right, pacing and editing. Uh, I gave it a six
0: because the movie has some slow parts, but it never grinds to a halt. But there's a lot of times where this movie just feels like a monotone. It is just, chh, ch-
1: and I'm just like no that's Friday the 13th
0: no I know because it doesn't have the ma I know
1: it's come on, literally man, just the
0: but your <laughs> but your joke proved my point even more uh, so I never got like so bored with it that I was like openly sighing but I was at the point where I was like okay we get it move the fuck on uh, Kenneth classic handy Ooh, is our first Classy handy? Mm-hmm. I, don't it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You're talking real fucking sultry right now. It's because I'm thinking about you, baby. No, you're not. You're thinking about some fucking guy with a rock jaw, you dick. Think now I was going to forget too. about that? I'm thinking about both of y'all. Well, here's something for you to think about. Hillary Clinton with mayonnaise of all of over her vagina. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> Way to ruin it for me, dick. I got hungry just now. Uh, i'm gonna vomit uh anyway uh there were some there were some spots that kind of dragged on like um you know where 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 chris is going upstairs into the attic and shit like that i was just like okay come on now let's get it going um and there were other there were other times where nancy the same thing where she's figuring out shit and whatever else and i was just it was the same thing as you where i was just like all right i get i get what you're fucking trying to do let's move on let's keep it going yeah. And so yeah, so
4: I gave it I gave it a seven.
0: All right, Watson. I got the handy score as well,
4: seven out of ten for me here, gentlemen. You know, this isn't a movie that's going for a breakneck speed feel, uh, but it moves along about like it should, really. We've got these teens who are struggling to remember some past trauma via our buddy Pedo Freddy here. And as they journey toward that third act and as they make their way to the revelations at the preschool in the end, you know, the story stitched together seamlessly enough to keep the viewer interested, I think. Seven out of ten.
1: All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10, too. Uh, again, this is the, uh, the problem with going last and being Jay, who's terrible at articulating his thoughts, uh, yet he has a podcast, where that's what he's exactly supposed to do. <laughs> uh, same thing you guys said. It's nothing, nothing to, uh, nothing to, like, it wasn't slow enough to make me be bored, but it also wasn't nearly as good as, uh, like the Friday 13th remake, as an example.
0: Yeah. All right. Atmosphere. Yeah uh i gave it a seven i think the movie actually does a good job of atmosphere and i'm never really taken out of it by side some slight boredom um it's actually really creepy like uh the scene where chris discovers uh in the dream world she discovers her old child's dress ripped up like that's truly cre- like this I- i've said this a lot in a lot of nightmare Elm Street movies I get taken out of the creepiness they're trying to build because Freddy comes and cracks some fucking stupid joke joke, uh, or visual gag and it takes me out of the movie. That doesn't happen here. I am inside this dark, creepy world uh, (laughs) that they are building with the cinematography uh, throughout this whole thing. I am fucking with it. Um, I just wish that uh, they would have done it a bit more because... While there is an atmosphere there, it's lightly coated, and um, I think it should have been deeper. So I, I could only give it the hand job. I came, but uh, I was sure looking at those lips. So Kenneth, I give it a
3: nine. I actually really like the atmosphere of this. Um, I really liked, uh, you know, uh, Freddie's world, which we always do for the most part i really like the way they had it uh, the way they had this one look versus some of the others where it was more backlit with the with the orangish tones you know so that gave it more of that uh that more of that muddy rust color all the way around not just stuff around it not just you know uh set pieces but the whole thing it gave it like that muddy rust color i really like that um i dig the town of springwood i like that um I, I really, and again, coming back to, uh, coming back to that, like, backlit, muddy rust color, like, especially in the opening sequence, you know, where, where you've got dude and he's dreaming at, at the Springwood Diner, the way the inside of the Springwood Diner looks, I really, really like it. Um, you know, when he goes into the back, the way that all looks, you know, I, I, I think it all, uh, overall, it gives a really, really kind of, uh off-putting creepy ambiance to the entire um, to the entire thing
0: so i'm i'm in agreement with you there so i give it a nine i thought it was really good all right watson yeah well said kenneth
4: i'm i'm just uh i'm right there with you but i i gave it an eight out of ten uh you know elm street 2010 here guys it seems it seems primarily interested in bringing darkness and scares back to this universe and when you look at how the film is lit the color palette, like you mentioned, Kenneth, how the characters behave, how the story unfolds—you can't help but get a cohesive sense of dread from the get-go. Even during the boring parts, it, it, it all, like Jerry said, just keeps the—it keeps the same feel, even if it is monotone sometimes. But atmospherically speaking, it—it it never breaks. So I'd say, yeah, this film's strong suit is how it presents that atmosphere. Eight out of ten.
1: All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a 7, but after listening to you guys, I feel like I should have scored it uh, an 8, but we'll stick with my original score. Um, I felt it was really good at times, um, and then other times it was a little bit of a letdown, um, but, you know, not enough to really take me out of it. All right, with that said, we are moving on to... Hold C- up, hold up, on, hold on.
3: Oh, okay. there's another. Th- there's another thing that I wanted to bring up that I thought was very cleverly done. And it was in certain scenes where the cinematography kind of comes in with it for the atmosphere. like that scene where um, Nancy's running through the house and she gets uh, and she gets into like that thing of the blood and she starts like drowning down in the blood and stuff like that. and then she falls through onto the bed. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that one, the way it was lit and the way it looked because it almost looked like again, you know the, the, whoever did it was coming through with the backlighting on these and having the camera there where it was it really really gave an amazing tone i think because all you can really see in that when she's running and she hits it is nothing but the silhouette of her body the shininess of the floor and then the and then the white light coming from behind her and i really really like that yeah Um, it's like the uh open field at night kind of look right right I, i really dig it and then the other thing that I really liked is that one time where she's like going into her room. I think it's right after she comes out of the bathtub and it's basically snowing in her room. And I've mentioned this before. I don't know whether it's snow or ashes, but I think it's snow. But I've mentioned this before when you're outside at night and everything's all snowy, it, 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 it's quiet and 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 eerily quiet and and, you know if you see a street light or something like that and it's lighting up the snow it's almost like it's lighting up the snow because the snow is so white everything else is that much darker and so
2: yeah
3: and so that and that's that's kind of what a sense that i got when she opened it up and she saw the snow in her room is because if you look at it when she opens the door everything else besides the snow that's falling looks more dark than it normally would. And then the snow is very bright and it kind of even makes it even more like what the fuck when she opens the door. So I, I really like the way they did it.
0: I agree with you, especially on the silence part. It does seem like snow muffles the world. Yeah. Um, all right. So we move on to scenery set design. Um, I gave this a fucking 10. If there's one thing that this movie does amazing, it's the look of it. Um, There is not a single set in this movie that I don't like. Um, The cinematography of it, how everything looks, the use of colors. Um, I heard someone complain about this movie that, oh, well, it's just so dreary looking the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, that's the fucking point. This isn't... They're not remaking fucking part three. This isn't fucking superheroes. They're trying to remake the darkness of fucking the original. And... This movie does it. The boiler rooms, the fucking uh, dream houses, it all looks fucking good. Um, I have heard people complain that it doesn't have a good-looking Elm Street house, which uh, the Elm Street house seems to be a big character in all the movies. I could give a fuck less. Uh, Because I don't give a fuck about the outside of how the Elm Street house looks like. I give a fuck about how it looks like on the inside once we're in the dream world. And they knock that out of the fucking park. So, suck my dick. 10 out of 10 for scenery set design. Go ahead, Kenneth.
3: I'm coming in with a 9. I mean, there was a couple of things that I didn't really like. um, But it was just little bullshit. Um, But overall, I think it was really, really good. Especially... Again, you know, we we go into like the way the inside of the um, the 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 daycare and stuff like that. I like the way that it looked. I especially like the way that it looked. You know, after it was all fucked up, like when Chris is having her dream and then all of a sudden she's in the classroom in there. I like the I like that. Um, I really really uh, I really dig Freddy's you know boiler room type look and stuff like that. You know, um, I think one of the things that I didn't really care for on the scenery set design is I thought that the inside of the um, the 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 store where the where the uh, the store where he went to the pharmacy and stuff like that. I thought that was a little like I didn't I, I, I feel like that in, in a movie like this, these the, the inside of these stores should have more of a claustrophobic look to them just because. You know, when you're when you're inside some of these stores and you're in 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 between, like in the aisles and stuff like that, it is kind of claustrophobic, no matter which one you go into. Like, even though Walmart's such a fucking big ass goddamn store, you still feel kind of enclosed when you walk in. And I feel like this had a little bit more vastness and I didn't really care for that, but I still really, really like the scene it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie where she's on the ground and Freddie's coming after her and she's kind of like in between reality and the dream. And so it's literally flashing with her looking in the boiler room and then looking and the, and then seeing the shit falling off the shelves and then back and forth. That's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie, but at the, too, same, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know. That was kind of one of those things that put it off for me. So that's the reason why I didn't get a 10, but overall the scenery and set design was really fucking good.
0: So, I think because of that scene being micro-naps, I think that's why it wasn't as claustrophobic. But at the same time, when you look at the library scene, um, that one, they made it be expansive and claustrophobic at the same time because while there was... The, the aisles seemed to go on forever, and it seems that just, no matter where he looked, it was books, so that made it claustrophobic. They were able to pull it off of the library scene... But unfortunately, the library scene is so minuscule and 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 that you don't really think about it, even though it's a very fucking impressive scene. I wish they would have taken the the greatness of that scene and put it into the convenience store scene.
3: I got you. I actually really like the library too.
0: Yeah, that was really fucking good. Uh, libraries uh, are making a comeback between this movie and the It remake. So if you're remaking a movie, get you a library scene.
2: Yeah, uh, buddy. Yeah.
0: Watson, what you got?
2: Hmm.
0: Man, this was a
4: hard one for me, you guys. I, I originally, when I wrote up my notes for it, came in at around an eight, and I was kind of teetering between eight and nine. And then, you guys, I brought it down to a six here. And here's here's what's crazy about that score. Is that, that wrong? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so that uh, I, I haven't disagreed with a single thing you said, but I, I guess here's where I was on it. Um, none of it's bad to me. None of the set design and scenery is bad. I like it all. But the, I guess where I was coming from when I scored this and where I kind of went down with my, my points was the film didn't – it maybe should have gotten a handy. A six isn't a bad score, though, but like, it, I, I didn't feel the film took us anywhere dynamic. It suffered from a lack of imagination in the script, and it's chock full of missed opportunities to elevate the story and its characters to new heights. A like case in point, and let's, let's keep talking special effects out of the equation here. and Just look at the dream sequences as scenery and set design – Period. Well, we get lots of that boiler room. You know, we get lots of basic schoolhouse sequences and they're great. They look fine. But if Pedo Freddie were innocent, you know, these would be settings that reflect his desire to show everybody how he was wronged. But since the film didn't go that way with it, you know, aside from the snow in the bedroom scene, I guess I just kind of felt like we were given very little in the way of, uh, you know, the a creative dream sequences I maybe would have liked to see in 2010. So I sort of went down and said, and so kind of, just, it was almost like coin flipping. I was like, well, what we got. Was fine. Here's, uh,
2: but
4: what but here's we weren't given, issue, I think, was potential. So I gave it a six.
0: Here's my issue, though. I feel like you're thinking of uh, Nightmare 3 and above dream sequences. Because in the first one and the second one, they're not imaginative dream sequences. They are boiler rooms. That's about fucking it. Well,
2: the so boiler room
4: makes sense. Yeah, I, I just I felt like the boiler room was kind of a, a bit of a. A simple cop out here just because it's like if, if it were me and I were innocent, oh, I'd show these 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 teens the boiler room over and over to be like, yo, like this is where you guys said I did some shit. Well, here's where I died. Or, you know, like, yeah, but I'm going to show you this over and over to, to nail it home. But the dream sequences we get aren't tied to any deeper theme in the story, except for I'm going to I'm going to kill you now. It's like that asshole friend who punches you and then you punch them
0: and then they punch you back. And you're like, well,
4: what are you doing? Do and there's like, no, do I'm you hitting have- you back.
0: This same complaint about the original Nightmare on Home Street?
4: Uh, yeah, actually, that's one thing that my okay. son and if I talked the, about
0: if, after we saw the first one. If you have the same complaint about the original Nightmare, then I, I've got, I can't really say anything because, to me, this does the dream sequences from the original Nightmare on Home Street pretty much the exact fucking same. Uh, they're they're not the imaginatives that come on later. Um, I will say I think you're so set on what this movie could have been with the innocent storyline that it has greatly affected you
2: which i I, I can't say anything because
0: anytime a movie because i have the same problem with the witch i'm just like this movie could have been so much better if it would have fucking done this and i can't let it go and it fucking it ruins me i i dream about it I
4: guess guess for me, uh, you know, dreams reflect, you know, kind of our latent desires and fears. And, you know, if you really want to write a script, a strong script and incorporate dreams, You know, I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street is the perfect medium, the perfect franchise to give us dreams rather than, oh, it was a dream sequence the whole time that has no consequence on the story. This is the one time where it's like, no, the dreams are the meat of it. And so I wanted the dreams to mean something to Freddy and why he's giving them this imagery. And it does. But, man, you were right. It just like it takes away from the impact. So there's little meaning in it. And so I guess I liked what we got. A six an actually stop at, But there
0: is a line in this movie that actually shows where Freddy is doing all these dreams for a certain purpose. And you might've missed it. I wrote it down in my notes. Um, Let me find it real quick. Tell it. Uh, There it is. Okay. Uh, In this movie, Freddy does not get power from fear. His dreams are not necessarily to scare them. He gets his power from memories. He is trying to make them remember. So when you look at Chris's oh, okay. dream with going into the... uh, I don't know, I want to call it an attic because it's just above the fucking garage. But going into the attic, when you look at the things he says to Nancy, when you see uh, his flashback from Depression Boy... um, And don't get me wrong, there it's are dreams that mean girl, absolutely nothing. Dean, literally, his dream was... Meant fucking nothing. It was just to give us a cool kill in the beginning of the in movie. The kitchen, because, yeah, yeah. But he's trying to make them remember because he gets power off their memories. He says it that he gets their memories is what fuels him. I, I caught that. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. Well, well said though. I mean that. But unfortunately, it's it, you're right that it's not played up enough. It's it, at all. In fact, it's such a throwaway line. And they don't play into it enough that I would honestly be surprised if anyone has... If if someone hadn't noticed that, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, Jay, you've seen this movie uh, at least twice. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you Uh, know... I think I've seen it two or three times. (laughs) Did you
0: know that they changed it from Freddy getting fear to power him to memories?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it makes it... He says it. Like you said, he says it. It's Okay. I was hoping you would say no to prove my point even more, but I'll take it. (laughs) I'm not going to blow every attention
1: to the movies. I'm watching.
0: Not every movie is a new nightmare and I can like throw out this awesome theory. Dude, that was fucking,
2: that was great. That was great.
1: Uh, Watson. I don't know if you know this, but I don't listen to our show or anybody's show for that matter. I just don't listen to podcasts. Okay. Uh, But I listened to that episode uh, oh, nice. It's recorded, and it was it, really great. Ah, that makes me feel good.
2: Yeah.
0: So, um, but I think that's a big thing, Like, and it'll come up again when we talk about Freddy, because it's mostly a bigger change for Freddy. This movie is way more personal for Freddy than any other previous movie. Like, it definitely... Because this movie, it also changes where well, Freddy is less getting revenge on the parents, because in the first one, it was big on... Oh, he's getting revenge on the children of the parents that burned him. And this one, he doesn't give a fuck about the parents. He He just wants the kids back. He wants revenge not because of what the parents did, but because of what the children did to him. The children broke their promise. They were supposed to keep it all a secret. They did not. Therefore, he is getting his revenge on them. And it has nothing to do with the parents. That's why the parents are barely in this fucking movie. And I think those little things... Or what make this movie way fucking better than people will get it credit to, but people won't give the movie a fucking chance. They won't pay attention to it. And to be fair, I didn't either. I saw this movie once in theaters with Kenneth. I was like, eh, this sucks. And then I watched the movie. I literally called Kenneth, and I was like, Kenneth, I am so fucking torn right now. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't fucking... I couldn't See, deal with it.
3: I think, in my personal opinion, the not extreme, vast... Dream sequences, I actually think, is a good thing for this movie, and the reason being is because it gives you more of an idea of what this kind of Freddy is like. You know, he's he he he's not about the toying and stuff like that. He's about his his quote unquote mission within himself. He wants revenge. He wants to play, but not not like not like past Freddy, not like MTV Freddy. He doesn't want to play like that. You know. He wants to give it a. He wants to give him a little bit of fear, and then get, and then, you know, get to the get to the end. He wants to get to it. He wants to. It, it, you know, he's mean. He's vicious. He's calculated. I like this Freddy, and I'll get more into it when we get to the monster. But it's just, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a different aspect for why these very, you know outlandish and almost cartoony dream sequences are not there and I think it actually does this movie a very very good thing by not having them way out there and way cartoony
0: yep. alright let's get back on track Jay um, what
1: category on? <laughs> scen- scenery and set design <laughs> uh, I gave it a 7 Um, but Jerry after listening to your description I probably would have bumped it up to an 8 had I been thinking about it with the with your ideas in my head. Um, I didn't really have a problem with it. I guess I uh, watching it, I was kind of along the same lines as, as Watson with the, okay, these dream sequences aren't, eh, you know, they aren't elaborate, but as you said, they weren't really in the first and second one. So with looking at different eyes, I would have gave it an eight, but I gave it a seven, and that was my original thinking as to why. Okay, cool. All right. We move into
0: acting. Um, I gave it a five because everyone is pretty subpar and really wooden, which isn't surprising. For a nightmare on Elm Street movie, I don't really have much more to say on it. Kenneth, go ahead.
3: I gave it an eight, and I'm being perfectly honest with you, I don't know
0: why I scored it that high. I <laughs> don't know either. Um Okay, moving on. <laughs> You fucking clappers <laughs> <flagged laughs>
1: <accent>. moving on. <laughs> he was like, uh shit.
4: Yeah, I gave it a seven, and all seven of those points go to Jackie Earl Haley. I think he's talented. I think he's really the only actor here who was given the opportunity to do very much. Rooney Mara was all right. Uh, Kyle Gall- Gallner was all right. The cute blonde from Supernatural was all right. The redhead from Spin City was all right. TV show John Connor was all right. Everyone was just, all right,
0: there you are. Did cool, Watson thanks. just drop name drop Spin City?
4: Dude, I love it. You
2: know
0: I love Michael J. Fox. He's my homie. Holy host.
4: shit. Yeah. Mom, Damn, yeah, bro. but you know, everyone was just there, and, and we these are good actors who are good at their craft. So, for literally everybody to just be passable at best points me away from just I guess maybe the actors a little bit more, more to script or direction. But I, I do, I like Jack Earl Haley, and I had no problem with his inclusion in this film. So, he gets my seven out of ten.
2: Oh,
0: right. I hope I get your seven. Oh, uh,
1: you, you uh, get it. get a straight six. Mm.
0: I'll give you a straight fucking two and a half for three. Yes.
1: That way it doesn't hurt. Perfect. <laughs> entry level dick. Yeah, little yeah. Curved, curved seven. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so Jay, what did oh. you give the acting? Uh, I gave it an eight. I, I really, really like Jackie Earl Haley. Um, nice. I, I like him as an actor. I've liked him in everything I've seen him as. I loved him as Rorschach. Um, I felt he brought a little Rorschach to this role actually. Um, but I really liked him. And I didn't really have a problem with anybody else. I felt uh, the emotions that they're supposed to have when they're supposed to have them are conveyed pretty well. Um, I mean, there's a couple throwaway performances in there, but overall, I thought it was just fine. All right, then. Uh,
0: we move on to special effects. Um, I gave it a six. The CGI really doesn't hold up. I mean, Kenneth and I were talking about the, the famous wall scene. Oh, God. Uh, It looks like this. It looks like Kenneth said it best. Because I said, I was like, oh, yeah, it reminds me of The Haunting. Kenneth was like, it looks older than that. It looks like it's from The Frighteners.
1: It looked like it's from a fucking PS2 cutscene. Yeah,
0: for real. Right. Um, And, um, I mean, the practical work looks pretty good. Um, I'm not. And some of the CGI isn't horrible. Uh, Like, my favorite death scene in the movie is the mother's death at the end of the movie, and I, I didn't have a problem with the CGI for that, but... Um, yeah, that looks good. Let's be realistic. The The special effects in this movie are, are CGI-laden everywhere, and most of them don't look good, like uh, Freddy running towards uh, Speedo with when he's on, on fire. fire. Like, nah. the on-fire part looks Ugh. good until you get to see his face screaming at you, and you're like, oh, that looks horrible. Um, and then Freddy's makeup himself... I understand that they were going for the realism of a burn victim. I'm sorry. I didn't like the fucking makeup. It didn't work for me. Sometimes it's not great to go with realism. Sometimes it's better to go with an artistic style. So I I, I give it a a six. And I don't don't know if that's if I should have went more. I should have went less. Maybe I'll figure it out after y'all talk. Uh, So Kenneth, go ahead.
3: Um, I gave the special effects an eight. And the biggest reason why I didn't get it any higher than that, even wow. though that's pretty high, is because of the CGI. There was some of it that I thought was really, really shitty. Um, the fire thing that y'all brought up, I didn't care for. But there were other aspects where I thought the CGI was utilized very well. Like um, when, again, going back to that scene where um, that I was talking about earlier, where she falls through the ceiling and through the big bubble of blood and all the blood just comes off of her and stuff. I actually thought that looked really fucking cool. Um, I like that. Um, I like the uh, the CGI where his uh, his it was like CGI and practical mixed together where his hand comes through that dude's chest in the prison. I actually really like that. Um, I thought that looked really fucking good. Um, even though I didn't like the direction that they went with Freddie's makeup, I thought his makeup from a special effects standpoint looked good. You know, I thought that incorporating the, the kind of, uh, fucked up with the, the legit burn victim. I thought what they did from an effect standpoint, it looked awesome. I just thought it was a shitty choice for the character, but the way it looked was great. um, so i really like that um transitioning between different things uh, like scenes and stuff um like i said for instance when uh when uh, when tina's in the in the classroom i like the special effects of that for the transitioning even though it was cgi but there were other things where the cgi looked fucking terrible like for instance the wall scene where it was just it was fucking awful um, so, but uh, there was a lot of shit that I actually really did like. So, like I said, I gave it an eight. There was a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed.
4: All right, Watson. Well, bring your mayonnaise, boys, because uh, we're, we're going to have a little bit of a sandwich because I'm in the middle of both of you. Uh, I'm at a seven. And, uh, you know, the, the movie's got its ups and downs. It just, you both have said it so well, I don't feel like I, you you've just basically read my notes off solid effects in the kills the blood hallway scene that becomes the bedroom i really like that the simple practicals were good anytime pedo freddy sliced someone with his glove that looks fine uh, you know i mean in not the kills but just you know just the way oh that that looks like it hurts that looks that's that's blood right there hey who knew you know we get some decent cgi in places like you said and you named them all off so i don't have to freddy popping out of the wall lame uh, i like that end kill uh, and and then Athena's kill where she's floating around, yeah, that was that was good special effects right there. You know the the what it takes to do that kind of wiring. And she's just looking all satanic up there. I was digging a seven out of ten.
1: All right, Jay. Uh, I also gave it a seven out of ten, and you guys have already hit all the points. Um, I though to to counter you, Jerry. I love his makeup in this. I thought them going with a more realistic look as opposed to trying to recreate the classic look was a good way to kind of distinguish themselves from the original while also, you know, keeping in, in line with that with that character trait. Um, I ended up watching a couple special features because I just let the movie play afterwards and it played them. And his mask is practical. He spent several hours in the chair getting it ready, um, but they cut out parts of it and replaced it with a green screen material so that they could add some uh, some more, like, gore, basically, to it. Uh, in post, which I thought was pretty neat that it was a full practical mask with um, little chunks of green in there so they could add digital effects afterwards. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Unfortunately,
0: with that, like, because I, I, I bet one of the parts is his fucking cheek. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times that CGI in the cheek makes the entire thing look like CGI. It kind of ruins the practical effects of the mask.
3: I think it would have been kind of cool if they'd have had like a uh two-face from the dark knight kind of thing going, a little bit here and there. I think that would have been cool even though if if it was practical cuz we know that two-face in the dark knight wasn't practical, but Oof, obviously. Uh, but if it had been practically done to where he didn't look like a fucking pepperoni pizza and he looked but it, but his face was more fucked up and underneath because the the, the thing that I that I don't like about having that realistic look of a burn victim is the fact that he died when he was burning so this looks like it's partially healed and like he's had a few skin grafts and i think that's what i don't like about it you get what i'm saying
1: that's fair all right yeah all right
0: well we're going to go into kills slash gore um give it a five to be honest i have felt like m- almost all of the nightmare on elm street series gives you maybe one good kill in the movie and the rest are just finger glove stabs um and this one really gives you no good like gives you no imaginative kills because um, even with like i like the mom kill in the end um the dean kill with the neck slit is good but I felt like the knife was stabbed way too deep, and they like, and it would have been a much bigger like, cause he basically stuffed, stabbed that thing almost all the way fucking end, and it would have been coming out the other side of his fucking neck. It's it's, I'm having a Kenneth with the pitchfork bathroom scene prowler
2: <laughs> scenario
0: right now, <laughs> um, and I really didn't like that, but I really continue to say. I don't think Nightmare on Elm Street delivers on the kills and gore. It's always a low body count. Most of the kills are lame. There might be one good one, but no, I don't I, I don't think so, and, and this continues that trend for me. Kenneth? Um,
3: I got the kills a seven. I mean, for me, it was a classic handy. There were things that I liked and things that I didn't like, um, you know, but it wasn't enough for me to not be able to get my nut. Um... So, I mean, I enjoyed some of them. Um, I liked uh, Chris's kill, even though there were aspects of the spinning around the room that I was just like, hmm. But I liked the fact that, you know, the the, the classic cut across the chest. I, I thought that was cool. Um, again, I really dig when his hand comes through Guy's chest, like completely through. Oh, uh, through Jesse's? Yeah, I really like that. I thought it looked awesome. Um, so I really really liked that one um, mom at the end she was alright and let's see who else Who else am I missing
0: uh, besides Dean in the beginning that's it
3: yeah I liked his but I'm kind of
0: with you on that um, but I, I don't didn't... count I, I want to point out I don't count the fucking Asian dude's death Um, mostly because of the plot hole of who fucking posted that
1: yeah, I was thinking the exact same. I don't, uh, so I, oh God, I can't fucking formulate words. I don't typically notice like plot holes like that, but that one just stuck out. I was like, wait a second.
0: Well, maybe he's alive. alive.
1: Who did that?
0: Yeah, so either he's alive and Freddy just gave him a headache, or he's dead and somehow Freddy came into the real world and posted that. Like it's it's nightmare two. Yeah, well, you gotta, it's prime time, bitch. <laughs> i like how watson's just, like i maybe if i just throw a popular freddy quote out there i don't know it'll, I like, it'll, uh, which one? it'll <laughs> go well um so all right watson what do you got for kills slash gore
4: Shoot, sure, yeah i mean when, when listening to you guys talk i mean sh- shoot guys what, there are only like what four or five kills in this whole movie if you, four, if you count freddy
0: four if you don't count freddy uh because technically you've got Dreamworld freddy uh well i'm sorry Real life Freddy, he yeah, technically then, dies. Uh, Dream world Freddy does not die, and oh, then you yeah. got the Asian kid. So to me, and I don't count, I don't really count Freddy being set on fire as dying. We've seen that; I'm over it. Right. We have four uh, legit deaths in this movie.
4: Yeah, I didn't count the 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 uh, the webcam kill either. I just kind of yeah for, for that same reason. But yeah, so I mean, we only got this. It's a super low body count.
2: And hey,
4: the knife to the throat was was cool. The blonde's death. That's my favorite I liked it. the human pedo Freddy burning yeah uh, I, I don't know you guys like the, the hand through the chest good stuff. but you know no kill looks bad. it's all fine. the script just it just didn't feel to me like these kills had it. there was no imagination in the script for them. And for a film that ought to capitalize on the power of imagination, there's nothing here that takes literally anything to new heights. I mean it gives you know so I give the kills a seven because they all look fine. But there's just no heart to them that shows us why this franchise could have maintained any success with this twenty first century you know reboot. So seven out of ten.
1: All right, Jay. Uh, I also gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, every single kill except for the well, I guess now the thing about it, there's only four of them. so um, the kills were all the glove kills. There was nothing nothing fancy about it. Um, I did like the the background of all the hanging bodies um, for the rest of the victims that we didn't get to see die. <laughs> Um, I thought that was pretty cool. The knife to the throat was a good way to start it off. I thought that was nice, but uh, but yeah, overall it's just pretty standard throughout. So yeah, seven out of uh, seven out of ten. That's how many we go up to ten.
0: All right, now to go on to what I think is going to be the biggest category of this movie, monster slash killer. Um, I gave him an eight, which is I I don't remember what I gave part two, but it's either the same as part two or, or right under it. Um, this is a dark Freddy, and that's how I like my Freddy. While he has comedy, I feel like a lot of his comedy isn't for the audience. It sounds more like someone who who tells jokes to themselves because they think they're funny and they don't really care what other people. So they always kind of slightly say it under their breath and then chuckle to themselves, and that's what I feel like this this Freddy does. His jokes are not out there and they're not always great but because they're a lot of times subtle like um when he, the kills, dog? A dog. Yeah, yes. when he kills the dog yeah when he kills <laughs> a dog and he's just like I was just petting him <laughs> That's my like favorite. it's like that or sometimes he has jokes that you're just that are like really that take advantage of like a perverted situation when he's like, what game do you want to play? And she's like, fuck you. And he goes, oh, that sounds fun. And she's like, oh, gross, gross. You know, he's thinking about children. Uh like, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just fucking dark and he's in control of, him, of himself. And it just really reminds me of part two, Freddy. Um, and honestly, the only reason I didn't go higher with this is because I don't like his look. But I love the way he sounds. I love the way he acts. I I really like this Freddy. I don't get the hate for him. I'm sorry. I'm so glad we didn't have to deal with Robert England Freddy. Um I'm not one of those people that marry a role to an actor. I think it's very bad to do that because I think it limits your ability to enjoy things. They're so like, "Oh, well, Doug Bradley's not Hellray, uh not Pinhead. Oh, well, Robert England isn't um Freddy, oh, Kane Hodder's not Jason. Like, they're not going to be alive forever. They can't always do the roles. So if you want that franchise to continue, you have to give it up. And you know what? I think uh, Her- Hurley Hanson Jones, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, <laughs> he show. he bopped the Jackie. shit out of this role, and I fucking dug it. Um... I'm not going to I don't I have much more to say but I'm not going to say it so y'all have an opportunity so I don't cover everything so y'all have something to say. So I'm going to go ahead and let Kenneth take over.
3: I gave it an 8 and I actually really liked him. I thought that this Freddy was really brutal. I like that. You know, it it it, it brought a, a I guess a stronger sense of violence. In my opinion, because like there's like when he goes up to Nancy and she's sitting in the car and he just grabs a hold of her and fucking slings her out of the car. I like that. Or or when um, you know he's he's in the real world and he fucking just slings his hand towards her and she puts that I guess it's a piece of wood or a chalkboard up and he just fucking his claw just goes straight into it and he just fucking snatches it back and throws it off her. He picks her up and slams her up against the wall and shit like that. I I love that stuff. I thought that that just made him seem that much more fucking brutal. I really enjoyed it. Um, the thing about the the few one-liners that we get and stuff is in there, I think the reason why it doesn't, in my opinion, it, it, it I kind of agree with Jerry, what Jerry said, about how it's kind of like somebody under their breath and they're getting their own amusement out of it. But it's also, at the same time, it's it seems like to me that it's one of those things where it's like a few times in it, he's just saying it. He's not trying to be funny for himself or anybody else. It's just we find
0: it funny. But otherwise, I think it's just something that he would just say. You know oh, what I'm saying? yeah. yeah. Oh, and, Kenneth, talk about uh, that thing you were telling me about with the six minutes.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. That other thing where where he's talking about, oh, we got um, the brain. After the heart shuts down, you got six more minutes to uh, – you th- there's still six minutes of uh, – we still Sound got function. six minutes to play or whatever. Yeah, that – that was another one of those things where it's just like, you know, that just shows the sense of just madness that he has to him. I, I really enjoyed that one.
0: Yeah, um, like the darkness of him saying when he's telling uh, Nancy towards the end of the movie how he was like, I wanted to push you to the point where when you finally went to sleep, you would be in a coma. So I would have you forever to play with. Holy shit, that's dark. That is fucking.
4: Yeah, yeah it is. It was
3: two great lines. Yeah, and so that's what I think. I think about it because it's like, you know, when we watch the other ones, especially the later ones where he starts doing the one liners and shit like that, it's funny, but it's funny for the sake of being funny, you know, versus this where it's just like, I honestly think that if you met a motherfucker like that, he would say some shit like that to you and you would snicker about it and he'd be the guy that would be just looking at you. Yeah, because like, he's not trying to be funny, he's just fucking being 100%. You in, know, in fact,
0: each... the only joke he says that that doesn't really work for me, which I felt was really, really just like shoved in there, was the "I'm your boyfriend now" one.
1: Well, yeah, the they other were one was just trying to throw it back. Yeah, and,
3: and but the same thing with like you know how's that for a wet dream? Because he says that one too. And, yeah, and,
0: that one was fine.
3: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you know I feel like that if he were to say that to you and you laughed about it, he would just kind of look at you.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, and it, like, because speaking of like forced in quotes, like the one I really fucking hated was when Nancy was like, You're in my world now, bitch. I yeah, was like, I Can we too. go one nightmare movie without saying bitch? Can we just please? You're banned. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't even
3: say it. And so, you know, I think those are all things that make this Freddy a lot, a lot more mean and sinister. And I really like that. You know, and and that goes into something that me and Jerry both agree on where, you know, now my favorite of the original series is part two. And that's because he's very fucking dark and sinister in that. There are things about the story that don't make sense. But otherwise, he's a that's a fucking scary Freddy. And just like this one, this one's a real scary Freddy. I mean, he just seems like, you know, he's, he's just vicious. And, yep. and, and and see where you were going in where Watson was going in earlier about how he was talking about how he didn't like the arc of where it went back. I think that this adds more to it. Because this is how vicious this person is because he's pissed off because they that he got fucking caught for being what he is. He always sucks when
0: you get know, caught. And it's not necessarily it he's, and, and, he's and he's not I pissed off at know. the people that burned him alive, he's pissed off at the children who broke his trust.
3: Yeah, and I think all that added together makes it even worse. Makes this fucking version of Freddy
0: even worse. Worse as in evil, not worse as in a bad movie. Right. For everyone out there looking for ammo.
3: Yeah. I mean makes him just a absolutely just creature of pure just evil for their own expense.
0: Yeah. All right, Kenneth, I think you and I need to shut the fuck up now. Watson (laughs) go ahead okay thanks thank you
4: Uh, no uh, great great stuff that you've all said like and I gotta put this out there before anything because I don't mind at all that Robert England wasn't Freddy. That's not a point of contention for me. I love remakes and reboots, so I'm down with him passing the torch. And I think after seeing Jack Earl, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach in Watchmen the year before, I think he was solid in this role. If, For me, if the script had at any point decided to have his back, in, in a way that I'm going to explain in a second, that's not quite what I've said before, I would have been fine seeing Haley as Freddy in more films because I really like him and his dark, brutal, just humorless, nearly humorous approach to this role. But my problem isn't with the actor and, and how he portrayed it, but with the story. And like I said, it's not quite the reasons you think that I've already said. So I, I kind of approach this a little differently because, yeah, we, we know I don't like the innocent angle. And I'm going to touch on that for a second, but only because of what it means for the franchise, not what I didn't like for the plot. So listen, Innocent Freddy would have been a 10 for me. I think that's thinking outside the box. It's proper handling of a newer Darker Freddy. But I also don't dislike what you said. That hey, this newer Darker Freddy being guilty because he got caught, that's that's badass too. And you know what? It is. Uh, he's angry, he's out for revenge. It it does make sense. But here's here's why I scored this low. It's not because of my dislike that he was innocent wasn't innocent or was guilty. No, pedo Freddy, uh, you guys, you listeners out there, there's no world in which this handling of Freddy successfully launches a new 21st century Elm Street franchise. You can't have your, and it doesn't mean that we can't think it's an interesting story arc, but you can't have your flagship character molesting kids and expect people to go see movie after movie. Like, what's he going to do in, you know, five films from now? Like, this script's uh, kind of taken that away and sort of its lack of imagination with the kills, and but 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 his brutality, uh, it, it I feel like that is part of what killed this franchise and turned Freddy into kind of, partly an unironic joke in that we got pedo freddy now even though he's dark and scary i love jackie earl haley you guys i am not married to robert england in the role i don't care like get him out i I don't i love him i think he's awesome but like you you said jerry he's not going to be around forever someone else make this character go but i'm i gave this a four out of ten but not because i was married to the idea of him needing to be innocent but because i feel like them Going with the molester angle, while I think it's daring and a little bold, I think they killed the franchise by by not uh, being t- by not uh, by being a little careless. so I, I gave it a-, a four, even though I love Jackie Earl Haley in this role
0: and I want to say also with um he also loses motivation like the Freddy character itself would lose motivation outside of this movie except for like trying to kill the two kids he didn't kill because oh once he's a- because yeah, once he kills, the, yeah, once he lives, kills the last yeah. two kids that survived in this movie, he's done. He has nothing left to Put fucking do because he's because he's not trying to get go through all the descendants or or he's not worshiping three fucking sperm monster <laughs> things. Like it's literally him getting revenge on the children that betrayed his trust because he wanted to finger fuck them with blades more. Like you can't continue the franchise this way, and like you can't like. And I agree, having a Freddy that is dark because a lot of people hate this movie because it's it. It's the first time they straight out say Freddy molested those children because before oh, then, you know? because killing a child's fine. Yes, you can do that. Molesting a child, on the other hand, is damage forever. You cannot fucking get away with that. Um. So you can't continue a franchise, especially you can't make you can't make Freddie Freddie funny, uh, because Later. then you're gonna be like, he, oh, he said primetime yeah. bitch. Oh yeah, he also oh, finger banged that kids, fucking yeah. five year old. Shit, <laughs> like you can't do that. So you're right. This is not a movie that could have birthed the franchise. Absolutely
4: not. Yes, and thank you for seeing that because that's why I rated it low because, listen, I mean, I like this approach to Freddie even though I didn't like that he wasn't innocent. I still think, though. although if you think about it, I mean, it's kind of hard. You can only, either way, whether he was innocent or not, you could only go one movie with this approach. And it's almost like this film shot itself in the foot by maybe being a little too bold, which is, you take some balls to do that. I I almost wish I awarded it a few more points just for the balls it took to to do that. I wasn't thinking that until we're talking it out loud. But it did kill the franchise because it was too ballsy. Uh, so that's why I rated it lower, even though I'm not sitting here going, Oh, but it needs to be, you know, Robert England. Screw that. Like I'm fine with Jackie O'Haley in this new iteration. I'm 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 down, but who you can't you can't go
0: to part two with this. Nope, you can't. Uh but we can't go to Jay. Fuck that. Give me fifty million dollars, I'll do it.
1: Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, I can't million, wait though. to
0: see the Rob Zombie version of this where fucking He's Freddie finger-pops his trailer park, uh, fucking stepdaughter.
1: Yeah, I've seen movies like that.
0: Uh, you and Kenneth <laughs> apparently watched the same ones. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, we my to stepmom's, step-mom's home. She caught us. I guess she'll have to join us. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm watching. Really, I, gave, I gave him an eight, um... I, I pretty much agree with everything you guys are saying that it would be almost impossible to continue uh, with with this storyline, but I don't really roll that into my ranking because that's not what we're judging. We're not judging the, the viability of a future series. We're judging the single movie, and I think his performance is Freddy, I think the um, way the story is presented, the slight changes they made, his look, his sound, everything was just really great, and um, despite the... Uh, lack of variety in the kills, uh, the way he killed people, I felt his presence as a scary person was fantastic.
2: Yeah, you hear I, that, I like that, motherfuckers?
3: That's the expert on fucking Freddy talking. I hear oh, yeah,
1: that. Jay. I actually,
0: oh, wait, did I say something? Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. said it before. No,
4: Jay, I actually, going into this, wondered if you were going to like this film at all. Really? Well, just because I know you're big on the others, and, you know... So- but I also know you're not married to the 80s like some people are. So, so I'm it was not, kind of any way with you.
1: I consider myself pretty open-minded when it comes to movies in general. I don't yeah. consider myself married to to anything really. Um as far as like at like even adaptations of things, I try and keep a very open mind. All I want when it comes to a remake or an adaptation is something similar in spirit to what I like. I want the things I like about the story. It doesn't have to be beat for beat. It doesn't have to be word for word. It doesn't have to be scene for scene. Although sometimes that can be really awesome. Uh, a good example is Watchmen has some panels yes. that are directly turned into scenes from the movie and that's it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and actually that's another great example because they completely changed the ending but I think the ending works really well for the film. But we're yep. not talking about Watchmen now. But in general, I'm not married to actors or cool. anything like that. I just want... I just take each film as it's presented for what it is. I try not to um, compare stuff too much. Uh, There are some times where my emotions get the best of me, and that doesn't always happen. But in general, I just want want more nightmare stories. I don't care who the fuck plays Freddy, as long as they can do the role justice and give it its own spin. And Jackie did that phenomenally. Awesome.
0: I can't believe you would sit here and tell us you're not married to actors when... You are married, and she acts like she enjoys it in your home movies
1: all the time. Oh, she does really enjoy it. It's not acting. Oh,
2: um,
1: so you say. <laughs> I say right. we
3: need more of those home movies.
1: <laughs> I'll work on it. She's asleep right now. I was going to have sex with her afterwards, but she's can had you, a long
3: week. Can you film it while she's still asleep? Oh my God. She's
1: okay. giving permission to do that. So yes. I will, I will. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I was going to say this so is so getting rapey,
0: but if there's consent, then I'm fine with it. Chase video, a 10 out of 10.
1: I'm um, 10.
0: all right. We move on to hero. Jay, on clips uh, for sale.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. All right. We move on to hero. Um, and I gave it a six, nothing really great. And I felt they really didn't do a good enough job with showing what happened to her and how it motivates her uh, she's kind of just the piece that's the dangling carrot for Freddy. Um, so, d- did I score it a little high? I think so now, because now that I think <laughs> about it, I'm like, I didn't write a single good thing about her. Um, so, let's see if y'all came in higher to make me feel better. Kenneth? I gave her a
3: five, and that's just because that of Otherwise, there is nothing fucking about nancy that's no i got oh
0: i know why i gave her a six she knows how to shut her mouth
3: oh yeah there you go (laughs) i
0: did notice that this time around
3: but yeah (laughs) you're right there's no there's no under like major underlining thing for her you know her her involvement is more about freddie himself and and how he relates to her Versus how she relates to him, if that makes sense. Because she can't remember the shit for the most part, except for towards the end. So, it's just like, she's just finding out things as she goes along. Versus Freddy, who has his own fucking fucked up emotional, physical attachment to her. With, you know, her being his favorite. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and I'm trying to figure it, because she's such a plain Jane in this movie. What did he see in her as a child that gave him such a fucking hard on? I mean, I don't know what like pedophiles look for in children, but I know what like older guys for the most part, like generically look for in women. So like, yeah, she's hot, but in kind of a plain way, like, like to me, like she's hotter than Chris because Chris has a weird face to me right um well,
3: see i thought uh what's her name rooney mara yeah
0: i don't yeah. i don't know nancy
1: yeah. Nancy, yeah.
2: But
3: yeah yeah that's what i'm talking about i think nancy i think i think that chick that actress i think she's pretty much hot in everything that i've seen her in though you know like she was in uh she was in the american girl with the dragon tattoo
0: but and what I, did freddie see in her as a child i'm not gonna that, try to figure it that out without
4: going to jail maybe yeah, she was an old soul maybe they could just really relate
3: Maybe. I don't,
4: I don't have any idea,
3: I, I, but it's just one of those things where I... I
0: Freddie wanted to recreate the, the flying art scene from the Big Lebowski weather. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. <Jesus Christ.
2: laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Um, Moving on. Well, that was a good
1: episode, guys. Join us <laughs> next time. Watson, <laughs>
0: what do you got for Hero? Um, I, I give
4: it a 5 out of 10 as well. You know, I didn't find our protagonist unlikable, you know, or anything, but there just didn't seem to be much to them. Once again, it's the script; it chews its characters up into this like bland, pedorific paste and spits them right out into the screen here. And like when I watched the show, and you know, this this uh, filming prep for the show, I kept seeing Rooney Mara and wishing I were watching a ghost story instead. I kept looking at Connie Britton and wishing I were watching her and Michael J. Fox in Spin City instead. I kept. Looking at the hot blonde chick and wishing I were chilling with Sam and Dean watching early Supernatural. Uh, you know, I, he, five out of ten. They're they're alright, but
0: blah. All right, Jay, you're the last hope for me to look good here. What did you score, hero?
1: I gave it a seven. Yes. Um, <laughs> I thought you like that. Can save um, us. So, let's see if I can articulate this well. Um, I felt like her drive to figure out what was going on was decent enough. And the ending scene after she gets hit with the adrenaline, um, is just really satisfying to see her finally be able to turn the tables on this asshole. Um, I also like that it didn't take her and it's like, she didn't find out she could take stuff out of her dream halfway through the movie and then wait to fucking do something about it. She found out. And the very next time she fell asleep, she's like, all right, let's go fucker. her. Um, So yeah, I just, I just, I enjoyed her a little bit more than you guys, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. We're moving on to score and soundtrack. And
0: uh, with this one, I've got to admit something. There is something in all these horror coliseums that we've been doing uh, that should have been in score and soundtrack, and we never bring it up, and I'm rectifying that today. That's the sound design of the movie. I want to say that... um, When you take out score, when you take out soundtrack, and you just listen to how the movie sounds, sound effects, uh, fucking, however, like just the design of the movie, uh, audio wise, I never noticed it until this movie. It never really came into my head until this movie, and I just want to say that that I gave score and soundtrack a ten, not for score, not for soundtrack, but for sound design. Because I could hear everything in this movie so fucking clear. Like, the movie's script, not very good. Dialogue, not very good. Plot hole, you know, plot holes in the story. Blah, blah, blah. CGI, special effects, blah, blah, blah. But the people who made this movie knew how to make a fucking movie. The cinematography in this movie is amazing. The sound design of this movie fucking great. These technical aspects, bam. But it just seems like the creative side of the movie was lacking. But as for like making, you can't say they don't know how to make a movie. It looks and sounds amazing. And I had to get blown away by and maybe I noticed the sound design of this movie because I wasn't as happy with the creative uh, flow of this movie. But you can hear more in this movie, every time Freddy does his little f- uh, finger wave thing that he does. Sheen every sheen time you hear, the- Yeah, you can hear it. Fucking, you can hear every fall. You can hear every cut. You can hear every footstep so clearly. Like, they're trying to... Like, especially in the dream sequences. Like, they purposely make the movie quiet. So you can instead hear all the ambient noises that are created by the people moving in this dream world. It is excellent, and uh, it, it, even if you don't like this movie, if you can sit here and tell me the cinematography and sound design of this movie is bad, then you're a uh, lying scallywag. I hope you get scurvy and end up at Davies Jones' locker without a cool peg club. Go Woo! fuck yourself. Kenneth, go ahead. Every six. Anything else? It was all right. All right, Watson. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, Jerry, you blew me away by judging it,
4: uh, you know, on on the audio and, and sound design there, because if I'd been thinking of it in terms of that, I probably would have given it an eight or so. Uh, that said, the way I did score it was uh, through score and soundtrack. And so, you know, as a musician, I'm usually tu- tuned into the music in a film, but nothing really stood out to me here. Nothing caught my ear as bad either. So I, I just kind of gave it a middle of the road five out of ten, but you are correct, man. That the sound design in this film is is pretty stellar. These people do know, indeed, how to make a, a film, for sure. True,
1: Jay. Um, I think that that's how we should redesign the category for horror coliseum going I've forward. I've already got it noted. You Woo! are the man. Um, I gave it a seven. You know, I'm. It, I i should not even bother trying to explain anything. You no, know? it was fine.
0: Alright, then we move on to Scare Factor ah! uh, I gave it a 7 I think the micro The micro naps were a great way To help bring in some new fear And there are some genuinely Really creepy scenes That, that I truly feel um, I'm, I'm still not scared of, of Freddy Because I'm too old um, I'm too old for this one I'm not five, <laughs> so he's not telling me you're probably five. <laughs> um, but I, I really do think, like, how do you make Scary Freddy in a modern age? Micro naps. You can't control it. You're fucking forced into it. Like, that's fucking terrifying. Um,
1: you never. And those are real, by the way. I looked it up afterwards. I was like, yeah. Bah. And they are 100% a real thing. So that's pretty cool. Yep. So, uh, Kenneth.
3: I gave the scare factor a seven.
0: And All right, double hand jobs. Yeah, but I agree with you on the micro
3: naps thing. I mean, you know, the uh, the the first time that I ever did any kind of research whatsoever on micro naps and stuff like that was when uh, I was hanging around a lot of people that were doing meth. Um, so you know, because you can actually watch it which is an interesting experience, especially when you're interested in how people deal with things like that psychologically. So, you know, looking at people like that and and in that sense, it was actually a very interesting thing. So I actually really liked that aspect of it. There were other things that I didn't find as scary. Um, You know, Freddie himself, even though he was brutal and whatnot, I was more entertained by the brutality than I was, afraid of it if that makes sense um and otherwise you know the uh, the atmosphere and everything else like that made it made it a little bit more scary but it wasn't like so scary that i was going to have an anxiety attack from watching a movie you know like some people that i know
0: okay look yes i had an anxiety attack during sinister i'm not i'm not ashamed okay
2: <laughs> thank you real are really good
0: yes i i I've legit been trying to like to figure out why for I had to pause, uh, fucking Sinister, and sinister take like a t- creepy twenty-minute break what? because I had ex- I think Sinister is one of the best horror movies to come out. The ending kind of sucks because they shouldn't have explained everything, but the fucking build-up to that ending is phenomenal. Ethan Hawke watching those home movies is generally fucking creepy. Yeah. Side note: Maybe we'll do Sinister one day.
2: Oh yeah,
0: uh, cause Kenneth, are you like? Do you not like Sinister? It's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't think it's that. I mean,
3: um, I, I don't. I, I don't find to be. <clears throat> there's nothing that ahead. really makes me feel like that. That form of anxious to the point of where I've got to turn the movie off.
0: Yeah. To be fair, that week first, I also had an anxiety attack through a different movie, and it's one that I don't like. Um... Uh, and it was, uh, VHS during the, um, segment where the person is recording the couple in the hotel room and shit. Oh, that's yeah. my least favorite one. Yeah. Really? Not even a good, not even a good skit. Gave me anxiety tech. Don't know why. Huh. interesting. I was just having a bad Because I
1: record you while you're in
0: a hotel room?
4: Ah, <laughs> uh, there's the anxiety right there.
0: I remember recently I went to Megacon, um, four or five years ago, um, uh, because I think we were going for our five-year anniversary, and we were going to go meet Stan Lee. And uh, we had, like, really, like, raunchy sex uh, in the hotel room. And we didn't realize till the end of it that our windows were open the whole time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, not the windows.
0: The blinds. The blinds were open. We forgot to pull the drape. Oh, So, like, people could have just been walking by and seen us going to town. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Watson, scare factor. Oh man, I, I just I just wish I were a fly
4: on that wall. No, uh, so scare factor. One thing, one thing this script gets right, uh, isn't their attempt to make Elm Street scary again? I, if you're like I am and you're you're not fixated on the fact that Robert Englund isn't here, I think there's a lot here to freak newer viewers out. Let's say, let's okay, let's say this is your first Elm Street film. Let's say you're a kid watching this. I can see pedo Freddy being especially threatening since you're his target demographic, you know what I'm saying? The dark and somber atmosphere, the the real-world sexual predator subject material, the sardonic humor Freddy has, like we talked about before, it's all pretty sick and scary enough for what it is. So I, I gave it a, let, let's throw another handy on the Barbie,
1: 7 out of 10.
0: All right, sardine humored and Barbie. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Jay, go ahead. We're on scare factor, right? Yes, ma'am. Uh, seven, I gave it a seven. It was, uh, Freddie was good, uh, and he was creepy. Uh, Um, I like the absence of on purpose tongue in cheek jokes. Um, the things like I was just trying to pet him come off as way more creepy and terrifying than they do funny. Um, so I, I really appreciated that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen nine of these movies eight of these movies however many there have been so it's just uh can't quite get higher than that all right we move on to entertainment um i gave
0: it a six i did enjoy the movie but i felt like they could have done a better job with um the script um and making it more entertainment maybe throw some more deaths in there that would have been dope um yeah uh, but the, the, there, there's a lot of like small boring scenes where I just don't really give a fuck about the characters um, and what they're trying to do. So I, I can't really go above a six. I do think I would rather watch this one over 90% of the series. But just because I like how dark Freddy is. So I still maintain at this point two is the only good movie in the series. Kenneth, go ahead.
3: Seven. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's decently entertaining. I mean, um, it's. I'm. I would kind of. It would depend on my. It would. It would depend on my mood. It'd be completely situational of whether, you know, I would. uh, I'd be completely entertained and engulfed in it. I mean, I think. I think at this point, I've seen it enough times to where I'd have to be in the right mood, to to, be completely entertained by this movie again. At this point.
0: Yeah, I feel you, uh, Watson.
4: I gave this a six out of ten, gentlemen. You know, even though this is this is far from my least favorite in this messy ass franchise, but you know, even though it's far from my least favorite, there's a lot here that's just so uh, it's just it's just too middle of the road and bland for what ought to be a grand and flashy concept. And I don't even mean flashy in that it needs to be like the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus or anything or Mirror Mask or Cell. But, you know, I just, I just needed a little more from this bad boy. And but, but when I compare it to other entries in this franchise, I honestly like it more than a lot of them. Six out of
1: ten. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight. I, I was, despite all the critiques that we've gone over, uh, I'm highly entertained by this movie. Uh, watching it again for the podcast, I realized how much I actually enjoy it more than some of the later entries in the main series. Um, So, yeah, I was happy to revisit it, and I'll probably make it part of my regular rotation when it comes to rewatches of the uh, series.
0: All right. Now the quickest
1: uh,
0: fucking category, because we basically just talked about it. Rewatchability. Um, I gave it a five, because you know what? I could see myself rewatching it. I don't think I will, but I could see myself doing it. (laughs) Kenneth.
3: Um, I gave it an eight. I'll probably end up watching this one again. I think after... Like like I said in the previous category, it'll be situational. You know, I could see myself watching it again. Um, I probably would get a hankering to watch this over any of the other ones in the series at this point. Um, But even then, it'll probably be a while. So, but I give it an eight.
4: All right, Watson. Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, you know, this is by no means my least favorite in the franchise. It's probably somewhere in the middle for me. But last year, you guys, when I took my son through the Elm Street series, I found that for whatever reason, this time around, I just wasn't digging it like I used to when I was younger. I'm I'm not as picky as, you know, as Jerry is on some of these things, but man, it felt like a messy franchise to me, not damning or anything, but just, I was like, huh, and showing my son these for the first time, he was just like, oh, they're okay. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there's that. So real talk here, with the exception of a couple of these Elm Street flicks, it will be years before I watch even my favorite ones in the franchise, because you know me and rewatches. And I may never again watch the lesser entries. So for these kind of mid, kind of range entries, I don't know. I I don't know when I'll watch it again. Kind of like Jerry, I see myself maybe one day watching it, at least the first two acts, and then I'll kind of shut it
1: off. So I three out of ten. All right, Jay. Uh, Oh shit! I closed my dealy by accident. There we go. Uh, Eight. I gave a watchability eight. It syncs up perfectly with the entertainment and the reasons I already stated. Nice. Okay. We move
0: into our last category. It is time to end this pop culture. Now I gave it an eight, and unfortunately, it's so high because of the negative. Because it's negative reasons. It got major backlash from fans for not having Robert England. Mm. Everyone threw a fucking bitch fit and pissy fit over this fucking movie. Whether it's it's not Robert England, they made him a pedophile. They redid these scenes, but bad and blah, 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 and I'm not going to give the movie a fair shake. Instead, I'm just going to bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch. Uh, The movie is held as the, out of all the remakes that came out, this one routinely gets held up as the worst of the remakes. Um, And I 100% think that's unfair. Um, I think y'all are judging the movie way more harshly than it deserves. And I get it not a great fucking story the acting subpar um i'm fine with you not liking the look of Freddy, but the 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 character of Freddy in this movie is good the cinematography in this movie is good the sound design of this movie is good it is interesting enough with the with the new mystery that it's it's worth checking out and i know some of you people absolutely fucking hate this movie and are not going to listen to a damn word i say throughout this entire podcast. Some of you are probably pissed because y'all were like, oh, Jerry hates Nightmare on Elm Street. He's going to fuck this movie up. He is going to fucking no-lube fucking Harry Ewok this motherfucker. And I didn't. And I'm sorry. But you know what? If you've heard all these reviews, you probably should have expected it because I like dark, less funny Freddy. And that's what this movie gave me. Um, And... I think pop culture has been very harsh to it. I don't think over time people are going to change their mind on it. Unfortunately, but that's just how it is. I'm sorry that you love Robert England as Freddy Krueger so much. You send you stay at home and write fan fiction about fucking Freddy Krueger coming to you and making love to you while Haley Jones Earl, the third has to sit in the corner and watch. I'm sorry. I really am. Kenneth, go ahead.
3: I gave it a six. And I think most of that six is for the same reason. Um, But I think in my personal opinion, I think the biggest amount of um, the biggest amount of all that came from just the fans themselves. You know, it came from horror fans and it, i i i kind of feel the same way as i did about um the friday the 13th one where it was like you know uh the horror fans were the ones that were making the the biggest waves when it comes to this movie i don't really think that the general audience out there really gave too much of a shit about this one either um and going back to what you were saying about the horror fans, I mean, it's unfortunate because when it really comes down to it, other than our nitpicky stuff that we do when we, when we, when we try to get as critical as we can for the horror coliseums, in reality, this is not a bad movie. It's not. You know, it's got a, it's got a progressive story. It's got a story that kind of in certain aspects really kind of, you know, rides on that line of whether it should or should not, you know, um, but it's got a decent story to it. The acting, like Jerry said, was subpar, but it wasn't so goddamn bad that you don't want to watch it. The fucking brutality of Freddie was good. I thought the actor playing him was good. I mean all the all this stuff. So it's it's not a bad movie at all. And and I'm with Jerry. I hate the fact that it gets so much so much hate because it in reality, I probably, you know, would like to see uh Jackie Earle Haley in another one as as Freddie again. I would actually like to, but it'll never happen now because nobody else out there is willing to give it the chance. Yeah. So but overall pop culture, I gave it a six.
0: Facts. All right, Watson, pop culture. Man, I like what you guys was
4: was, was spitting there. Uh, no, so, you know, I think horror fans were in an appropriate uproar about this film in both a positive and negative sense back in the day. You know, this is in that era of the nonstop horror remakes, and that always got the buzz going, especially with these, you know, those more popular intellectual properties like this. And hell, I mean, the film did out, it, it did all right for its $35 million budget, so it made a decent splash. But the fact remains that this movie just wasn't built to suspend to, to to successfully launch Elm Street to modern audiences. Like I said earlier, it was just too ballsy. Which which for it's been nine years since we've gotten another Freddy flick, and I do feel like it's been unfairly maligned. I do, uh, just like Kenneth and, and Jerry Bull said. But but you know, after watching about how this film handled itself, I can see why nothing followed it. Furthermore, I don't think people outside of our community, just like Kenneth said, cared very much about it. Uh, you know. I mean, and that's despite the fact that Jackie Earl Haley had just made a name for himself in Watchmen, you know, and so I really would have liked to hear Rorschach's journal, bitch. But aside from the the massive talk that surrounded this film upon its initial release, like I I don't feel like this film has any like staying power aside from the fact that it's that hated and maybe unfairly so hated release uh, a remake, I mean, and so. I don't know, but you need that staying power in a conversation about pop culture. So I I gave this a four, uh, and and that's where I wound up landing on
1: it. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave this a 10, and I will explain why I gave it a 10. I gave it a 10 because its staying power uh, that it has is there. It's just all surrounding the negativity that most people (laughs) have towards it. Sure, sure. Um, So while it's not popular... Um, in the sense that everyone dotes on it. It is popular in the sense that everyone loves to mention how much they hate it. Like, I don't think I can go a single day in the horror groups where people say how much they hate this movie, Um, which is really a shame because, as you guys have said, it's a decent movie when you look at it on its own. Um, And people's attachment to actors playing characters and their nostalgia just really blind them, I think, from enjoying it as a movie and enjoying movies really in general. People will chase the feelings they had watching a movie when they were 10, 11, 12 as adults and then get disappointed that it's not there. Like, of course, you're a fucking fully functional adult with a sound logic mind. Ghosts aren't going to scare you anymore. Like, stop trying to worry about being scared and maybe you'll just enjoy some movies for movies. But, yeah, that's why I gave it a 10 because it's it's hatred popularity is as much as the love that people have for the first one. All right,
0: well, that that's it. So let's go over these final scores. I gave it a 100. Jake gave it a 109. Kenneth came in the highest with a 110, and Watson came in the lowest with an 85.
2: Not That's
0: so too bad. Yeah, I I am kind of surprised, and um, I know normally with the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I have like questions and shit, but uh, with this one, I don't I have questions because I I got all of it, and um, I didn't I, there there was nothing for me to fucking go off of because it was made better than most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I don't give a shit what you say. <laughs> uh, so if you're upset with me. I'm okay with it. Uh, With that being said, we are finally fucking done with Freddy vs. Jason Horror Coliseum. We hope you enjoyed our trip. Shout out to all our guests that came on. Uh, It's been a blast. We are going to put Horror Coliseum away for like at least a month. um, And then then maybe we'll bring it out. We just had a new Jerry Hates action come out where we took on Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, We just had a new Underwater Kaiju come out. With Godzilla 2000, Um, I don't even know what the next Kill the Cast episode is, but I know the next underwater kaiju is Gorgo. The next Jerry hates action is The Matrix. Oh. Um, And I, so I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do uh, for the next little bit, but we'll fucking we'll figure it out and find out, and then y'all know when
4: we just just
1: do it.
0: Yeah, I've got tons of fucking ideas, you dirty. Dirty. Hey, uh, I, I finished the Scarlet Gospels. We could do a fucking book review. That's true. We could. That was fucking wonderful. Let um, me know whether
3: we're going to do that so that way I can or re- re- go over it again.
0: Yeah, I know. I would almost want to go over it again to myself. Maybe at some point we'll see what people would want. Uh, with that being said, we want to shout out Watson from Horror Corridor. Coming on, and I know he was just on, so you just heard all this information. But uh, <laughs> go fuck yourself, Watson. Tell everyone about yourself. Uh, yeah, hashtag Gfy. Yeah,
4: um, I'm the host of Horror Corridor, which is a solo cast you can find at the Horophilia Network of podcasts, and uh, we're about to. I'm a we it's just me uh, about to put out uh, my Serbian film episode, which is funny because I was supposed to put that out before this appearance. But February just went by in a flash, gentlemen. It was it was here and then it was gone. And so I've got about 60% of it recorded. Just need to get my Serbian film thoughts down. I've read like probably five different academic papers on this movie. Yeah, like and one was a Jesus. dissertation. So I'm just trying to think about how to come at it because it's a controversial film and my show – you know it it tries to tend toward the professional slightly pseudo classy side so i got to be careful what i say just cuz my you know my fans know what to expect from me and you know if i were doing it do
0: here, <laughs> do people really still think that after the santa claus episode no they don't uh, okay. they don't they don't, just think check it. That. they don't think that no so anyway uh, yeah
4: so that'll be what you'll be hearing from me next uh, you'll cuz jerry you you pump these out really fast these uh
0: this will be out probably what by tomorrow the next day uh yeah, most likely Tuesdays yeah, when gosh. I edit them.
4: So probably by the end of the week you'll hear you'll hear me on here folks and then you'll hear my uh, Serbian film and and Can Ho- and a discussion of Can horror go too far where I talk a little bit about some things Jerry and I talked about but I wanted to leave that mainly to you buddy so that way you could you know kind of bring your spin on that and not me like rehash things I've said that I took, you are
0: took from you. <laughs> more you are more than welcome to use uh, what I talked about with you in our conversation, I just
4: mentioned it. It's already recorded. As much as you want. And ah, oh, shucks. But yeah, folks, check check out Horror Corridor, and uh, yeah, we got a few episodes left before we close doors on that and move to YouTube, and then another show that I've got in development that will kind of replace Horror Corridor and coincide with the YouTube channel. It'll be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see where that goes once it's out of the conceptual phase. So that's where you can find me, folks. Thank you very much for having me yep. on, gentlemen.
0: And then we'll we'll get watson to come on uh kill the cast so we can like use it to bait all of his fans who want podcasts to come listen to us instead there we go my plan's working perfectly
4: <laughs> perfectly hey and i got uh, some listeners from my last uh fr- from my last appearance here some some of the kill the cast fans who didn't know about my show uh, prior to that appearance joined on and joined the page and have talked to me and so just shout out to you're you you're welcome yep yep thank you very much
0: <laughs> yeah and, and uh shout out to um uh i can't remember her first name but i always just call her Swan. uh swan over in horror corridor uh she posted over in horror corridor about watson's uh appearance over here for horror coliseum seven and talked about how awesome it was oh melissa uh, yeah yep yeah. Melissa swan, uh, yeah yeah so she's fucking dope so if she she's loves listening your, she
4: loves your show yeah She
0: yeah, loves your show, guys. she's awesome i love all the things she says She's uh, a drunk. She is a drunk, <laughs> oh, but yeah. she's a she's a good drunk. <laughs> I, I love
2: her. <laughs>
0: she's my favorite kind of drunk because she listens to kill the cast. I like her and name. It's... Yeah, she's cool. She's dope as shit. Um, so shout out to her. Uh, if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, check it out because I've been pumping out stuff on there. Um, I had a uh, greatest of uh, greatest of all time episode came out come out where i talked about if hellraiser could be one of the greatest of all times uh most people said no for the record Uh, i had a lot of people comment in uh one of the facebook groups telling me no no go fuck yourself and no oh so that was a good video by the
1: way i don't think people watch that the day it came out
0: people respect hellraiser uh we also had our collab video which featured uh me jay uh, Dan Chase from Cut to the Chase and the Married with Children podcast, and also fans like Heather and Chris who came on to tell us what horror movie they would like to see a prequel to. Heather did then, a good course, job. Good job, Heather. We're proud of you. She did, and YouTube chose her as the face of the video, so I allowed it. Um, Though there was one cunt on YouTube who wanted to make a fucking shitty comment, so I banned them from our channel. Good. Oh. Fuck them. So, yeah. Yeah. Fuck that dude whose name was just a bunch of numbers. Obvious fucking troll account. Yep. Um, so yeah, I've got more uh, videos coming. I've got one scripted. I've got another one uh, that I started doing research on earlier today. So uh, I'm, I'm going to try to get at least one video out a week. Um, unless I have health issues, which will hit me probably at least once a month. But with that being said, we're getting the fuck out of here. We love you guys. Thanks for fucking listening. Let us know in the Facebook group how you feel about uh, the remakes. Let us know how you felt about this entire run of Horror Coliseum. We are glad it's over because man, you burn out. Like I don't know, like these shows that do like an entire franchise in one show. I don't know how they survive a week watching every single movie. Like even with us spacing them out, where we are doing basically one show a month. I was burnt out by fucking episode six.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) So we are glad to be fucking done. We're going to get back into uh, some single movie reviews with Wild Tangents and shit like that. We got tons of movies we want to do. I know we want to do like Hereditary. We want to do fucking... It's late. I don't remember. fucking. There's a bunch of
2: a yeah. wet dream
3: on elm street
0: wet dream you know what a podcast just did that really yes i fucking uh, i think it's podcast for dummies or, or, or horror for dummies podcast. Or something. yeah
3: fucking damn it
0: they just dropped it and i was just like oh shit damn we've been talking about it for months and months and months and didn't do it and now someone else did it was that so, for women in horror
2: month I had, <laughs> never mind oh, i said that
0: can i go on a rant real quick can we move Women in Horror Month to another fucking month? February's Black History Month. It's already done. It's dedicated. We have black horror. February's taken. Okay? We need... I'm not saying that I... I like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to women or anything like that. But I think we need to move Women in, in Horror Month to a different... Move it to January. Move it to March. I don't care which one you need to do. February's already taken fucking can we can we just do that i don't know who sat around and chose february yeah that's weird uh i don't know why anyone would choose february for fucking anything it's the shortest month when you call fucking oh yeah for february we're gonna do this for a whole month i kind of look at you and go well that's a little disrespectful to that fucking thing isn't it chose the fucking shortest month asshole like yeah we have to we don't really want to but we have to Kind of a dick, okay? So anyway, fuck February, but more importantly, February is taken. We need to move that to a different fucking month. Sorry, I had to say it. Put it out there. I don't care what y'all think. Uh, We are out of here. We love you guys. Thank you, Watson, for coming on. Uh, Thank you to Friday the 13th. Thank you for Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you to everyone who's listening to this. We are glad it's over. Uh, Good night. Salutations. And uh, fucking... Pleasures beyond your imagination, boiler your room, thingamajig. a thing I am yeah. Ahab. Did you say I am Ahab? Did I? I, I, I legit
2: don't know. I don't know. You, maybe. <laughs> oh. Well...